It is I, D.R. Lewis, not the third, on behalf of The Weekend to Take. And I don't know why I was talking like that. Anyway, it's another edition of The Weekend to Take, and I'm back to give you the rundown before the show, uh, because we are still brought to you via Zoom. Not, not that because of a sponsorship, but because that's the way we have to record the podcast during a pandemic. And speaking of pandemics, that's exactly what we're talking about today, college football's decision to kind of sort of return in the middle of a pandemic uh we break that down thoroughly for you uh, before i go on a protracted rant about how you guys choose to use your social media platforms and so all of that and more well actually not more that's exactly what's on the show so just that so without further ado it's time for the weekend to take Daniel, apologize to Dame Lillard right this instant. Apologize Why? to Dame right now. Why? Apologize. We will go no further in this show until you apologize to that man. What I do to him? You know what you did. What? You know what you did. Bro, of course, we've seen Dame Lillard is going crazy right now in the bubble. You know what I'm saying? But... What if what Bradley Bill was on the pulling trailblazers? <laughs> While Daniel thinks about if he's going to apologize, which spoiler alert, he will not. This is another edition of the Weekend to Take. I am your man, Dr. Lewis. Not third, the baby. third. Top three, not one or two. What up? My, my, my roommate Pat suggested Daniel that you instead of saying the third, you say not the MMA wrestler. That was his suggestion. <laughs> Everybody knows that. Yeah, well, uh, maybe they don't. <laughs> Everyone on Twitter doesn't know. Uh, with that being said, Terrell has it right. Not the third. One and only. There, D.R. Lewis. Uh, speaking of Terrell, Terrell Huff, that's being poppy. He's in the building, sir. Indeed, sir. <laughs> and uh, as I always say, or at least I have been saying for the last several weeks, support the arts, fam, because guess what? We are the arts. We are the arts. That is correct. Along with Terrell Huff, yeah, Daniel's excited. <laughs> you might have heard me chastising him at the beginning of the program. <laughs> Daniel Davidson's here. What up, baby? Bradley Bill, first team all NBA. What's oh. up, man? Come on. Put them on there now. Put them on there. They ain't can be there too, I guess, but Brad first. Let's go, baby. <laughs> Doubling down. Let's I go. Can't wait. I can't wait for your come to Jesus segment. It's going to happen one day. I'm going to get his... <laughs> the show sheet so it has to happen because i'm the producer i'm just make it happen force it now mm. uh as you might notice there is no austin brazina today uh he bird man he talks so much hamilton that he got sick he mm. he was he got, you don't get too much of a good thing you know he talks he, he's been waiting for that podcast and uh he, we did so much of it uh that he got sick and so he, he's not here he's recovering and I mean, we're not yeah. about like a little bit either. That was nasty, what he described. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're not going to get on that on the podcast because we want the listeners to remain. Uh, as well, there was supposed to be, in a, because it's a football, it's a football topic this week. I, I'll at least give you all that much. Uh, there was supposed to be some Trey Blanco in the building, but if we couldn't find him, Trey Blanco's out here in these streets. But, but he may magically appear, though. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he pops up. That's only. I feel like he's, also, he's about to start his own podcast. He's trying to torpedo ours now. He's like, yeah, I'll be there. I got you, bro. But at the exact same time, 
I'm dropping his episode. Like, yo, I'm supposed to be over there, but they ain't shit. <laughs> <laughs> they out there talking about me while I'm over here not talking about them. <laughs> and so uh, don't be surprised if uh, that man drops out of the sky out of nowhere. He, he, he may, he may not. That's the only reason I bring it up and kind of side, segue that. Uh, so anyway, with uh, that out the way, uh, before I tell you what's going on, oh, the podcast, what's it about? Yes, you would like to know that, right? What do we do, Dan? You see, no, well, we shouldn't tell them. We shouldn't tell them what it's about. We give the props, man, to the people who deserve it. What do we do? Such as a certain 6-3 shooting guard in Washington. Oh, my God. <laughs> we let Dan it be known. We say what other people are afraid to say, you know what I'm saying? We right. give them that, that truth, unfiltered truth. Are you and give that to you, the people. And take it with you and have that knowledge. The next time that you have an argument, you are armed with knowledge to be able to defend your argument. When people say, no, but the ain't time, but the ain't time, you shouldn't even be on the list anywhere. You're like, yo, look, man. I ain't taking that. Dan's great now, so. No, he can be on there, too. I'm just saying that, that he can. Doing he can that cat wasn't doing We don't know. We, we, didn't see, we didn't see him play. There you go. He was hurt. Hey, and also, you can't discount the fact that we have, you know, regular season Dame and we have bubble Dame. Bubble Dame is like a super metahuman. Hey. And regular season Dame is really good at basketball, but he takes the next level in the bubble here. Hey, hey, hey. hey, the best ability, Daniel, is availability. And your boy is not available. But you know who the Frank is Gore rule. The Frank you want rule. You really want to go in that argument? <laughs> Hey, that's no, a Frank Gore. Rule. I don't want to go in that argument, but you know, you you're the one trying to make us argue counterfactuals because we can't see. Okay, well, for for a while he wasn't available in the club because they didn't make the playoffs. Man, CJ would be available in the, the championships. I don't know. Hey, 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 hey back yotomy, but he's still out there. They wheeled himself. Need him a call now. That dude, that dude's a thug, man. Dang, who got a fractured back? <laughs> and he's like, I'm good, bro. <laughs> the jumper. Get off me, I'm not exactly sure you're not in league with Ed trying to sabotage our podcast by talking Bradley Bill whenever you get a chance. Stand up, bro. This is what people want, man. Check the mentions. Check your DSPs, bro. All right, man. You're on my all-NBA list, player. <laughs> so as my esteemed colleague mentioned, we this is the show where we take one topic, and I mean one topic. And we take it, we grind that up because it's the it's the most important topic of the week. And so we grind that bad boy up. We 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 throw it up in a bowl. We mix it up. We prepare it and we give it back to you, people. That was a better band impression. I'm getting better at this. I'm I'm improving. The dinosaur is evolving. We give it back to you, the people, all broken down and such. Wow. Sometimes I say today I said in such whatever, and then you're informed. And as Daniel what? says, you go out. You're like, you're like, what? Brad Beal, Dame Lillard, what? I have all this information and people are arguing, but I know the truth. <laughs> that Dame Lillard is way better than that. No, um, we're not doing this again. <laughs> oh, word. <laughs> <laughs> Dame just activates every time he hears this argument. No, um, <laughs> so, hey, by the way, uh, just quick aside, because I think it was funny. Uh, when we were watching basketball the other day, I was trolling Daniel about Dame because Dame was, was you know, leading his team to the playoffs. Oh, and, Dame. Uh, he was talking about how Dame doesn't play no defense, right? And so I was like, doesn't play any defense? Did you see that steal, even though he, like, fouled the dude? Uh, <laughs> it was like, like, right on time, too. I was like, oh, what the hell is this? <laughs> and, and, and <laughs> and then, dive on the floor and stuff. It's epic and, steal. 
And so then Daniel was like, yeah, man, surprising, huh? And then I was like, what do you mean surprising? He took that game-clinching charge, which wasn't a charge. <laughs> I didn't believe it was a charge at the time. And so I'm just trolling this man with stuff I don't even believe. It was so funny. <laughs> and that's how this podcast that's how, Hey, that's what trolls do. Yeah, yeah. And so me and Daniel... That should be. Me and Daniel taking this fight off, off pod. To, to, to off, new, to, pod. off pod. Uh, so anyway... Now that we've gotten our fill of that that discussion, that shouldn't really exist. Uh, before we talk about the subject, before I even tell you what the subject is, there's one man who will speak uh, about the subject before it is, is time. And so instead of just you know watching it happen every week, I was like, you know what I do? What I should do? I should, I should make a segment out of this, and, and thus I have, and thus he has. And so every week, yeah, put him to work. There you go, D. Put him to work. Producing yeah. and such. Make him make him earners keep. So every week, Terrell Huff gives you his first take before any takes, before the topic is even revealed. And so it's presented to you by the JNT Childers, official Childers of Memphis Greetings. It is Terrell's first take. T Huff, that's being poppy. You're the floor. Look, um, I'll keep this pretty brief. <laughs> he college says that football, uh, hey, I'm serious. College football coaches, um, college football players. Uh, any other, you know, people involved with these multiple organizations, uh, these multiple programs, if you will, uh, throughout college football. 95% of y'all pretty much just want to, quote, go out and play. I mean, we know that. We know that. We know that from the history of, oh, coach, uh, I know I got a concussion, but I want to go out and play. I don't care. I want to be there for my team. Uh, for all the guys that are taking shots in their knees so that they can get out there and play even though they're hurt. Uh, for all the guys that, um, you, know, uh, you know, don't want to lose their starting positions. For all the coaches that want to get out there and, uh, you know, pad the statistics when they go out and they play these, you know, little tiny schools and pay them a million bucks just so that they have an extra W on their records. We already know what you guys want to do when it comes to this whole situation with the pandemic and college football. We already know what you want to do. We don't need your opinion because we know what your opinion is. The only people we really need to be hearing from right now when it comes to college football and all these conferences and who plays and who doesn't play, the only people we need to be hearing from are experts. Experts and people that actually really give a crap about whether or not this pandemic can really, really affect the community that these colleges are in and how they can affect the communities that these colleges are in. Because I honestly get the impression from the handful of personalities from college football, and I say personalities, and I use that term for a specific reason, because most of them are, uh, you know, personalities. They're people that you put on TV because they're recognizable, and uh, we want to be able to have them drum up support for a football season, whether or not it's safe to, to play or not. So the bottom line is the people I want to hear from are experts. If your athletic director is a doctor and he might have some ex expertise when it comes to pandemics and, and, and infectious diseases, let's hear from that guy. If your athletic director is somebody that maybe, I don't know, you know, just happens to be somebody that's just outside of the sport and really just wants to be looking at how it's going to be safe for there to be games and for these players to get out there and do what they want to do. And they have a legitimate reason why it could be safe and it can be done in a good and safe way. Great. Those are the voices I want to hear. 
but those are the voices I'm not hearing, right? So to sum it all up, I'm tired of hearing from the Harbaugh's. I'm tired of hearing from, you know, these coaches of these teams that are upset because their season is going to get pushed back to the spring, maybe. Um, I don't want to hear from coaches and players, all right? I want to hear from experts, and I want to hear from people who are trying to figure out the safest way for us to get the sports that we think that we need so badly, all right? That's who I want to hear from. Thank you. And so uh, following that statement, that was Terrell Huff's first take, sponsored by – Dang, who's the sponsor by? Jay and D. Charters. Official Charters of the Mariners. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, so this is – after Terrell Huff said that he doesn't want to hear from Jim Harbaugh and, you know, Trevor Lawrence and athletes, this is now the part where I let you hear from Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> exactly what you don't want. <laughs> this is a segment that is – Kind of hard for me, uh, the host, because it's a segment that I basically call Derek Lewis Reads a Lot. Um, and so <laughs> we're going to catch you up on all the happenings of the things that went down, give you a bit of a timeline, and then we'll get into the, the nitty gritty and then break down the uh, break down a, break it down one by one. Uh, so this kind of all started <clears throat> back in March when COVID, not no, <laughs> this. <laughs> No one, no one got my joke. I don't think. Uh, that's all right. That's all right. Some, some jokes don't land. It's fine. Ooh. You don't take Daniel. You miss hundred percent. Moving on. <laughs> Obviously, everyone's trying to figure out if they're gonna have a have a season, right? We know the NBA. We we two pods ago, we talked about the NBA, the MLB, and the NFL putting in the, and the WNBA all putting in the NHL, I keep leaving people up, all putting in protocols to try to play their seasons. And those have gone the very, those have gone the varying degrees of success and, and, and failure. Uh, so the college football is no different. They are also trying to figure out how they're going to play uh, football at some point in either this year or the next. And while they do that, a lot of football programs have their kids on campus uh, getting ready, playing uh, spring, not spring football anymore, but, you know, getting summer camps basically to get right for the fall season if there were to be one. Well, while that went down, uh, they still had the decision to make on if they were actually going to play football. And this kind of really ratcheted it up when the Big Ten players and the Pac-12 players uh, put out, released a set of demands basically on what they needed to do to play football and feel protected. So the Big Ten's proposal from the players that they, they both uh, put them on the Players' Tribune uh, the Big Ten's players went like this. Uh, they want oversight and transparency. They want prevention and safety protocols. They want testing, contact tracing, and related procedures. Uh, they want some player assurances. Uh, and then they want some hazard-related economic support. Uh, so basically, the main thing is they want to feel protected um, in various ways and know that if they someone does kind of blow the whistle on the pro on the whole thing kind of going awry that they will be protected their scholarships will be protected if they do get COVID they won't just be unceremoniously lose their scholarship they want protections in place besides just the normal uh trying to prevent COVID from happening they want protections for after COVID happening after COVID happens because they don't have any real way to force that except for withholding their services uh, because they are not a union and they aren't getting paid for their for their labor, so they try to get that on the front end. The Pac-12 took it even a bit a step further. They they have a, the same issues. They have uh, health and safety protections that they want. They want some COVID-19 protections. They want mandatory safety standards, including COVID-19 measures. 
Uh, they want to make sure they protect all sports, aka preserving all existing sports by eliminating excessive expenditure. So we, as we've talked about on this program, college football's gotten kind of fat and happy, you know, with the money that they bring in. And so they wanted to make sure that all the sports are protected and that maybe, you know, some of these coaches making a little too much money, maybe they lose some of their money before we start cutting programs and sending athletes away who who don't have a sport to go to. Um, Besides all that, they also have a section where they want to end racial injustice and cause sports in society. Uh, So they put that in there. They want some economic freedom and, and equity. Uh, guaranteed medical expense coverage, name, image, and likeness rights and representation, fair market pay rights and freedoms. And so I'm not going to break all those down uh, one by one, obviously, because that would take forever. But if you want to read the individual statements, because there's a, a lot more elaboration on why they're asking for this and what they're asking for on the Player Tribune site, where you can find both the Big Ten and Pac-12 players, uh, what they're asking for. Uh, but none of those things are... Uh, out of the realm of, of reason. Uh, they're asking for fairly reasonable things. Uh, so after that, that was about two weeks ago. Last week, this kind of stuff all comes to a head, and here's how that timeline plays out. Uh, basically, about a week ago, about a week from Friday, the Big Ten finally released their schedule. So everyone's kind of thinking, okay, all, all, all is well, uh, full speed ahead. UConn had uh, discussed canceling its season, and then the American Conference uh, had whispers of canceling their season. But for the most part, everyone was kind of like, okay, college football is going to power ahead, uh, kind of like all the other sports are doing. Um, everyone was kind of in a, in, a, in a good place. Then on uh, that next day, on Saturday, the MAC announced that they were canceling their season. And the, even though the MAC's one of the mid-tier conferences, uh, they've kind of carved out a niche as the go-to for Thursday, Thursday college football and kind of mac and all that kind of stuff. And so that was – Somewhat of a blow. Um, <clears throat> soon after that, on Sunday, uh, the Pac-12 and Big Ten are starting to kind of leak out that, hey, maybe we don't want to have a season. Uh, are we going to push forward with this college football stuff? We're not sure. Um, as that happens that Sunday, Trevor Lawrence, Clemson quarterback, he starts kind of pushing back, and he sends out a tweet that goes as such. Uh, he basically says, hashtag we want to play, and then in his little – graphic he has the power five conference he says we all want to play football this season establish universal mandated health and safety procedures and protocols to protect college athletes against COVID-19 among all conferences through the NCAA give players the opportunity to opt out and respect the decision guarantee eligibility whether a player chooses to play this season or not use our voices to establish open communication and trust between players and officials ultimately create a college football players association representative of the players of all power five conferences. So Trevor Lawrence kind of pushes back on the idea that they shouldn't play football, but also says that he wants some guarantees, you know, as the big 12, excuse me, big 10 and PAC 12 players came together and put out as well. Uh, Jim Harbaugh also starts pushing back on that. He says, Hey, we actually have no, we've been doing a great job of keeping our players safe here as we've gone about our practices. We have a protocol in place that is keeping everyone safe and we have no positive tests on this campus. And so we know there's a way we can do this to play football. Uh, That's what Jim Harbaugh basically says. Uh, Some university presidents, and head coaches like uh, Ohio State's Ryan Day, Nebraska Scott Frost, and then Penn State's James Franklin, those are all coaches, they urge to push forward and play. Uh, Kevin Warren, the commissioner of the Big Ten, he's new, um, so he's facing this pressure, and Nebraska and Ohio State seem like they want to play and that they're willing to leave and play elsewhere um, if the Big Ten cancels football. Uh, Politicians even get in the mix. We know Donald Trump basically backs up Trevor Lawrence's tweet. Uh, Nebraska Senator Ben Sass. 
Ohio State representative Jim Jordan. They also are uh, advocating to play. And a lot of this is under the under the I don't want to say guys because some of these some of these people believe this that uh, athletes are safer if they're on campus and getting the medical attention they need as opposed to going back home where they will not have these medical resources and other resources to keep them safe. And so there's a lot of that argument being made. Um, and so as this campaign grows, uh, basically during the week, the Big Ten and the Pac-12, they both basically announced uh, over a two-day span that they are not going to play football. Um, they are postponing their seasons back to the fall. Um, the Pac-12 did this by a unanimous vote. The Big Ten did it. Uh, with more of a split, uh, because as you could tell by the, <laughs> the coaches uh, speaking on behalf of their universities, not all Big Ten teams were on the same page on this one. Uh, the SEC and the ACC affirm their desire to push forward throughout the week, and then b the Big 12 kind of becomes the, the swing vote here. And on Tuesday, they give the green light that they're going to go ahead, and then they release their schedule. Um, and so that kind of brings us, brings us to the day. Um, we basically have the Big Ten and Pac-12, they're out. Um, uh, Maction is out. And then, you know, the other three Power, four, power Five conferences are moving forward. Um, a lot of the little older conferences are, are all kind of scattered to the wind and uh, canceling and because they just – they don't have the resources to do this. And so I would suspect that most of those conferences are going are gonna to end up not having fall football. Um, so that's where we are with that. The segment is over. Derek will read no longer. There will only be discussion. <laughs> oh, so much. That's so much. And that concludes, that concludes my dissertation for today. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, thank you. <laughs> you guys, y'all talk it out. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be on my bed. Um, so, <laughs> so let's start here. I know Terrell's already kind of waded in on, with his idea, so we'll kind of start with Daniel on this, side, on, on this particular topic. What do we think of how the players have handled this situation? And let's think of it from a, from a full scope, uh, whether it be the Big Ten and Pac-12 players putting some, something out beforehand, whether it be right now with Trevor Lawrence. And Trevor Lawrence isn't alone. He's not speaking just on his behalf. He's speaking on behalf of a lot of athletes. Um, how do we think that they've handled this, this moment of, you know, trying to figure out if they can play, trying to figure out if they have any leverage to get some additional, you know, uh, additional safety concerns and other concerns out of this. Just overall, how do we think they've kind of handled this moment? Um, in terms of them wanting to play, it's, it's pretty predictable um, given their age group and also with their athletes as well. You know, players are always going to want to play no matter what. Um, it's always more of like a short-term view for them in terms of, you know, I need to play because I, I either I love playing or I'm trying to get some more with my the sport that I play in, like maybe the pros or something. So I need to have good tape. I need to keep playing. Um, I don't want to have like a loss season or anything like that. So it makes sense that so many players have come out and said that, yeah, we want to play, you know, as long as everything is safe for us and protocols are in place and such, then yeah, we want to give it to go. Um, but as you said before on, on the show, it's, it's not really on the players onus to decide if we play or not. It's supposed to be the people above them, the coaches, the administrators, stuff like that, because their job is to protect the players from themselves. Right. Um, because no matter what, even when they get older and some go to the league, they're still going to want to play. And at some point on the coach and the training staff to protect the player, or we think ideally. Um, but what I think we're seeing right now to kind of go into like a two different topics for these different leagues deciding to play or not to play. It's kind of a, ma a matter of how risk averse they are. Right. So like a lot of these smaller schools are like, okay, well, if we do decide to play, 
we don't really make that much money from sports in the first place. But just imagine how much money we would lose if we play, make a bit of money, and then we get sued because someone gets sick or whatever on the field, right? So, like, yeah, it's not it's not worth it to us in the long run because it's going to cost us maybe more, potentially a lot more than what we're going to make off of these sports. But then you look at the larger schools, a lot of conferences, mainly things like the SEC and the Big 12. Now, you know, these are big-time programs. You break in a ton of money. Um, also, a lot of these schools happen to be in the South, which is also, um, you know, football is kind of like a religion in the South as well. So it kind of means more to the fan base and such there, too. They're kind of seeing more of like, yeah, it's risky, but, you know, if we play now when no one else is playing, we might even get more money or more popularity or – we might get more recruits in the future because I've seen this on, on a few different um, like uh, sports uh, websites and such. It's like, oh, well, the Big 12 and SEC are showing that they're actually are, you know, their commitment to football is a lot higher than the Pac-12 and the Big 10 because they want to play right now. So in the future, recruits can be like, yeah, you know, well, I'm going to go to the Pac-12 when they only care about football, but the Big 12 and the SEC, they're willing to play during the pandemic. So that's real football. So it's, a lot of things they're trying to do to kind of justify the reason why it's a good thing for them to play really all comes down to they just think that they can actually win out in this bet. But right now, it's kind of the Big Ten and the Pac-12 aren't willing to make that bet because they think it's going to be a losing bet um, for what they may gain um, playing versus what they would lose if they don't play. Um, also, to touch on what Sproul said to start off in his first take, um, you know, wanting to only hear from the medical experts. One of the drawbacks of sports because it's, it's so popular there's so much money involved is you kind of have a class of ethics and business at the same time right uh, because if you search online right now you're going to find um, quite a few medical experts who say that it's not safe we shouldn't be doing this you're also going to start finding some that say yeah we can do this it is safe i saw just right now east end um the director of medical or health for the acc he was saying like yeah it, it's good to go we can do it safely um, it's safe to play, and that's why we're currently going to be playing. So we've seen this a lot when it comes to, you know, either players, say they get hurt and they go for different opinions and they find that one doctor that signs off on it. Well, at the end of the day, because there's so much money involved in sports, I'm sure they can find or they can kind of get nudged. They're medical experts to kind of say, hey, yeah, I mean, it may not be the safest in the world, but it's good enough to where they can play or something like that. And then you have the other ones that say, no, definitely not. This is not safe. So unfortunately, it's hard to kind of tell if, these experts are just saying that because they care about the players and their well-being or if they're saying things because it's like, well, you know, I do care about these players, but I got to protect the person that actually pays me, you know, protect the bottom line. So that's where it's kind of so polarizing because people are saying, oh, this person says it's safe to play and he's a doctor. So what's the problem? But it's like, you don't really know what's pushing them to give that diagnosis. Like, is it just because they feel in their hearts of hearts and based on all their, um, medical expertise that this is correct it, it is very safe to play or is it more of like um, it's safe enough to where they can make, possibly get by to allow the game to be played and that's kind of where it's getting pretty messy and murky right now and that's right probably right now what we have that kind of divide between some conferences are like I'm all out other ones are like I'm all in because they can kind of find people to kind of back up their position just based on just the nature of business and the football yeah, I, w I want to focus back in on the players' uh, side of this. Uh, but before I, before I do that, I, to Daniel's point, and we're seeing this in real life as well, there's all doctors aren't created equal in this situation because all doctors don't have the expertise to speak on this. Uh, specifically, uh, Michigan's president, uh, Mark, and I'm going to butcher this name, Chiz 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 Chi
is a medical doctor with expertise on immunology, immunology, and he said there's too many poorly understood health and safety concerns unique to intercollegiate athletes to push forward at present. Um, so that's what someone with expertise in immunology, so I'm struggling to say words today, uh, that's what <laughs> he says on the subject. We were seeing a lot of doctors, not just in, not just like Daniel's example with the ACC uh, uh, medical professional, but with uh, like a Dr. Oz, like a doctor, not, I don't, I don't want to say Dr. Phil because he's not really chimed in on this, but uh, well, he might have, I haven't seen it, but <laughs> yeah, cool. all these people in front of their names are going in and saying a lot, some of them are saying, hey, it's, it's good, but they don't have any expertise on this kind of stuff. And so just because you have even, when Terrell says he wants to hear from experts, even someone who just has a degree and is a doctor, his specialty might not be in this particular situation. So even they can lack some of the knowledge to know uh, if you should if you should do this. So it's, it's, it's interesting to me that one of the people involved in college sports who actually does have expertise is saying, hey, no, we shouldn't do that. And he's in the same place where Jim Harbaugh is pushing currently to play. So... Right. Uh, you know, a props to him for you know kind of pushing back against what his own head coach is saying, right. and, and and having the courage to do that. Now, um, I just wanted to kind of uh, put a more specific bow on Daniel's point because I thought it was a good one. Uh, I do kind of want to get back to to the players because it's interesting that the two leagues that had their players say, "Hey, we're only going to play under these specific circumstances, and we want a lot of concessions." It's interesting to see that those are the two leagues that actually did end up not playing at all meanwhile the ACC the Big 12 and uh, the SEC they're gonna it looks like they're gonna move forward and it doesn't seem like their players are demanding the same obviously they're demanding safety as my phone goes off in the background um, obviously they're demanding safety but they're not demanding some of the other things and yeah. me Daniel uh, it's been a long it's been a long week so professional no uh, I'm glad you brought that up because there's actually a conspiracy theory going on right now um, because you've kind of seen right now how important the players are to the, to the uh, college football overall, right, in terms of, like, we need them to get out this with all this money. And it kind of seems like the players kind of realize that and, like, okay, well, we can ask for more now because they've already said they need us out there on the field. So some people think that they actually canceled or postponed the season because the players, they thought the players might unionize, and this might, might kind of slow them down a bit. That's kind of been floated out there as well. It's not really about COVID, but more about the players themselves getting together um, because if they get too many demands, it might kind of tear down the fabric that is the, you know, NCAA or college football right. if they kind of had to give in too much. So, like, okay, well, the theory or the conspiracy is that let's, you know, postpone it for right now, give us some time to kind of come up with some um, counters to what they're asking for, and then hopefully we can give them something without, you know, giving away the whole farm or anything like that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a conspiracy, so I don't, that's not being confirmed anywhere, but that's kind of been floated around. But you can see that the players are kind of getting that mindset of, hey, you know, based on what we've seen right now, y'all need a lot more than we need you, really, because if we don't play, you know, we can sit out a year and come back and, you know, keep it moving or go to school and stuff. But if we don't play, half of y'all are out of a job. Like, half of y'all can't cover us in sports. You know, the um, people's entire administration is getting, like, sliced in half and stuff. Coaches are losing half of their salaries and everything. And that's all because the players aren't out on the field. So in terms of the dynamic, how much power or leverage that, you know, it might have between the the league and then the players, I think they're kind of seeing how much leverage they actually do have because of the, the current state of things. Yeah, because college football, or not even college football, but just college sports in general, is the one place where you don't have replacement options. 
Like, if the NBA season shuts down, in theory, it's not going to be great. But in theory, they can go overseas. They can try to find some players who will kind of, you know, cross the picket line. There is no crossing the picket line in college athletics because even if they were to find players of that age who did want to play, you're then kind of showing your hand that, hey, this isn't, this isn't on the up and up. Like, these, these, mm-hmm. kids, these kids aren't on campus. Like, you're just trying to put out a sports season now. You're no longer trying to put out uh, college athletes. And so, like, yeah. a, even though they don't have a union, they have an astounding amount of leverage from that simple fact. Uh, Terrell, you, you jump back in here, man, on, on some of these thoughts. <laughs> yeah, a couple of things, uh, you know, just from listening to you guys, um, I thought it was interesting uh, earlier when Daniel was talking about how um, – uh, talking about how the recruiting aspect of it, of certain players saying, oh, yeah, look at that, look at that conference. They're willing to play through all this stuff when this other conference isn't. And I, I found that to be a really interesting point, and I hadn't even really thought about that. Um, but then it kind of ties into what I was saying about the Harbaugh's and, and the Scott Frost of the world, that uh, coaches that are out here talking about how they want to play and they're going to do everything they can to get out there. That was, to me, it, it, and even more so, it feels like that's a pitch. It's, hey, look, look, look what these other uh, conferences are doing. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? We want to be out here playing. So who do you want to play yep. for? You want to go play for one of these coaches in the Pac-12 where the players are kind of running around, you know, where, where the inmates are running the asylum and they're saying that they're not going to do this, that, and the other thing and, and, and the coaches and the, and the athletic uh, directors and everything are listening to these guys or you want to come play here where we're going to just do what we can to play football. And so I, I thought that was a really interesting point because they are, you know, whether they, they want to admit it or not, that's exactly what they were doing. So the, when you got yeah. your coach out there, talking about how, oh, we're going to do everything we can to play. That's a pitch. That, especially right now at a point where they know there's going to be entire conferences that are going to shut down and those players might be in a position to go somewhere else. Oh, heck yeah. yeah let me get out here and let me get out in front of this thing and let me, let me you know, talk about how much I really, really want to get my guys out there to play football. And let me talk about how great it is here in Michigan where supposedly we have no you know, cases on campus and this, that, and the other thing. So that's another kind of really foul part about the process um and uh you know so that was something that that when daniel said that it kind of you know sparked you know kind of what i think i was trying to articulate earlier and i wasn't quite able to really do it but that's that's a big part of this thing the other part is when it comes to like these players that are stepping out and saying and, and i hope they are being opportunists in this situation and i really hope they are doing this in that way because i think it's kind of like you know, turnabout is fair play when it comes to some of the, the shenanigans that some of these schools pull. Um, I hope mm-hmm. the players, especially these Pac-12 players, because the Pac-12 players were the first ones that I heard that were coming out with a lot of these demands um, before the, the, the conference said that they were going to, you know, shut things down into the spring uh, at the earliest. So um, I like the fact that they said, no, you're going to give us some guarantees here uh, because we're not trying to come out here and, you know, you guys just kick us to the curb if one of us gets sick or if I've got some sort of debilitating respiratory issue that's going to last the rest of my life because you guys said I needed to get out there and play if I wanted to keep my scholarship or what have you. So um, that's the other part of it that I'm actually really, really glad these players came out because, you know, they're young and I understand they want to get out there and play, but they also have to understand that if they really, really are a talent that's going to be able to make it to that next level, they're going to get opportunities. 
um, even after all this is all said and done, if they do the right thing, or at least they make it an effort to do a right, do the right thing, and they try to hold the, these schools' feet to the fire because these schools are making so much money off of them, I'm I'm really really glad that they went that route. Um, I, I mentioned, uh, you know, I didn't really mention Trevor Lawrence, um, but I felt like his approach, and I'm actually not surprised because I think him along with a guy like Joe Burrow. I kind of got the impression with those two players, not just because they played in a national championship, but you kind of got the impression with those two guys over the last couple of years that they're kind of, I don't want to say above it all when it comes to just being a, a, a college athlete. They just seem to have a different type of mindset. Uh, and it's maybe because they've kind of been, you know, I'm not so much Joe Burrow because he bounced around a little bit, but specifically with Lawrence, he's kind of known that he was going to be that dude. Um, and he's kind of known that he was going to be the number one pick in the draft whenever he decided to come out for many years. Mm -hmm. now. I mean, I remember the dude at the, the what, what is the, the TV show with the uh, ESPN or whatever with the quarterbacks. Like, I remember when he was, you know, in high school. And they oh, on, on QB1 or something like that, the Netflix show? Uh, right. So I remember that. So it's mm -hmm. like he's one of those guys where you kind of already knew. So the fact that he, I think, probably – recognize that and the fact that he's out there and he's actually saying yes I want to play but you guys need to do this for us this this and this his his name being out there and that's why when I was talking about like 95 percent of these players just quote unquote want to go out and play for him to come out and say yes I'm one of those guys but this is what I think needs to happen while we're getting out here and trying to, to give everybody what they want this is what needs to happen for us because I may not, this, this is probably going to be the last year I'm going to play before I go to the NFL. But what happens to the guy that's behind me or the guys that are behind me in previous, in, in future classes and what's going to be there for them when something like this happens again. So um, I was actually really stoked about that because, uh, and I failed to mention him in, in my, in my initial take because um, it was so much behind it, but um, I'm not surprised at all how thoughtful, uh, of a statement that he made when it came to it because again he's in such a unique position with his stature I mean let's be realistic right now he's probably the most recognizable face in college football right now for anybody that's you know a little you know a little more than a casual fan um, and I think everybody pretty much knows what he brings to the table so uh, it was really good to hear from him as well uh, well I want I, I want to drill down a little more on Trevor Lawrence specifically but do you look like you had something to say while uh, while uh, Terrell was talking yeah, um, another reason why it's good for the players that they're kind of making these demands now is because – so the very nature of football is that we expect these kids or men or whatever to go out there and basically put their lives on the line every single week just for our entertainment, right? So it's understood that, hey, you might get a concussion, you might, you know, break some bones, you know, you might have life-disabling injuries. Um, but that's just part of the game because, you know, you get the accolades and whatever. So people assume that if you're a football player, then you're willing to go out there and kind of risk it all just for the love of the game, for our entertainment. So it's not surprising that a lot of these fans have been like, oh, can't believe you're trying to take away college football, blah, blah, blah. You know, y'all just trying to do this because of politics and all that kind of stuff, too. Well, like, that's very easy to say without you being the person out there, you know, running around, possibly getting a, a deadly uh, virus, you know, that, that could kill you or your loved one. But people always are just saying, you know, it's like, oh, let them play. They want to play. Send them out there. We need to get, get the season started. You know, I don't want to go another year without football, blah, blah, blah. But 
in terms of them actually getting some type of benefit or help, it's never going to come unless they actually come together and unionize and demand something. And they're doing that exactly right now because no one's going to go into, if it's like a regular year, going to say, hey, you should give them more benefits because, you know, they keep getting hurt or we should start paying them or whatever. They're going to be like, hey, this is how it's always been. Football is we go out there, risk it all. And, you know, you're so much, so much famous and you get to go to school for free and whatever, and that should be enough. But now they're kind of, with the current situation, the current climate, they're able to actually make some demands and actually get some actual change, which will help them in the long run. Because with things not the way they are now, I don't think stuff like this will ever happen. Um, so I, I just want to kind of mention on that, that the whole environment for football kind of lends itself to what people assume that they're going to play no matter what, because it's like, it's risky anyway, so go out there and risk something else because this is what y'all are used to doing or something. Right. Yeah, and, and, you know, that's that goes back to what we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, that the players are kind of expected to be more of a militaristic type of mindset where you just do your job no matter what because that's what is required of you. Um, and I think people sometimes forget this is not the military, this is entertainment. Um, you, Shout you, out you, to Kellen Winslow Jr. I, I, I'm not sure why we did that. but <laughs> You know, I remember when he had the press conference after the game and they asked him questions and he was mad because Miami had lost? And he was talking about how he was a soldier, and he was like going off on the on the interview. Like, you remember that? I, I, I do remember that. <laughs> That's but crazy, I try to block out such nonsensical things out of my okay. mind. That's what I get. Like, see, I, I, y'all got me feeling like freaking Captain America right now. <laughs> I mean, because you were old. I got that reference. I, I, I understood that reference. <laughs> I just didn't know what you were talking about at the time because, you know, Kellen Williams Jr. ended up having an NFL career. That means that I should just not remember anything about that man for the most part. I'm a soldier. Only thing matters is you. <laughs> uh, but I did want to – Also, yeah, go ahead. isn't it kind of weird how, how they're saying that the players will be safer, you know, if they're with the team playing or whatever, ah. aside from being on their own? Ah, well, my thing is – Hold that okay, thought, right. hold that thought because um, what I I wanted to drill down on Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence, and what some of that will do, we'll actually get into what you're about to go off on, on Daniel, because I did forget some of his first statement, and I was kind of wondering, like I thought, I kind of remember thinking that I didn't really like what Trevor Lawrence said, and that's because that was his second tweet on the subject. His first yeah. tweets on the subject were this, and I, I'll read them to you here. Uh, people are just as much, if not more, at risk if we don't play. Players will all be, be sent home to their own communities where social distancing is highly unlikely, and medical care and expenses will be placed on the families if they were to contract COVID-19. Not to mention the players coming from situations that are not good for them, their future, and having to go back to that. Football is a safe haven for so many people. We are more likely to get the virus in everyday life than playing football. Having a season also incentivizes players being safe and taking all the right precautions to try to avoid contracting COVID because the season teammates' safety is on the line. Without the season, as we've seen already, people will not social distance or wear masks to make proper precautions. And for me, that just sounds like a white man's view on black people needing football. If I'm just being frank, like I, I do understand a little bit where he's coming from, and I know he's not. Right. Yeah, I felt the same way. Like there was some points of that that okay, I get you, but he, then there was other parts where I'm like, Ugh. yeah, yeah, he's a young cat, and you right. know he comes from a specific background. I don't want to try to make assumptions because I don't know a ton about Trevor Lawrence. Right. But he has had this. He's like you said, he's been in the public eye. He's known he's going to be this dude. He's been quarter QB one for a very long time, and to me, he kind of. Kind of has a little bit of hey, 
uh, these people need football, but also a little bit of these these dudes aren't going to know how to act if we send them back to their respective communities. And that doesn't necessarily rub me completely the right way. Uh, Daniel, you seem to have a different take. I don't know. I'm just kind of reading your body language. What you got? <laughs> They're student athletes. They're not going to go home. They're going to go to school. They're still going to be in, in school. What are they talking about? That's what I'm getting. Like, a lot of people are still – A&M is still having classes where people go to campus. They don't go to actual classes. They're still on campus, like in dorms, apartments, or whatever. They wouldn't go home to their community like, yeah. like normal. Um, they're still under scholarship, well, formal scholarships. They can still go to, like, the athletic department and still go out to – the gym or whatever. Right. Why is it that they would, like be sent home because football's over? They're still part of the team, part of the school. I don't hey, get that. Hey, unless Trevor's trying to tell us something. Ernie, <laughs> <laughs> like, what, 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 what you talk? What you trying to tell us, Trevor? Like, are you trying That's to tell what, us that these cats is at the crib? Like, they not where they supposed to be? I'm just saying. Like, yeah, I, that's what I thought. I didn't. I, I didn't trust me. I was not. Privilege, well, I won't say privilege enough. I was not a good athlete. I was a good athlete, but I was not a world-class athlete. So therefore, I didn't, there was no scholarship for Terrell or nothing like that. So I don't know that process. But that being said, just as a as a regular person on the outside looking in, a sports fan, I was under the impression that they would still be at school. They just would not be playing football. That was the impression I got. So being physically on the field, um, if you're saying that them not being physically on the field, they could go out and get into something, well, are, are, you know, you're giving me the impression that they can't go out and get into something in, in, in Ann Arbor or in uh, wherever the hell Clemson is. I know it's in South Carolina. I just don't know where. But Wish uh, they have. See Maryland football. <laughs> that's that's my, point. So my point is you got the same nonsense in every community that these schools are in for the most part. I know there's a handful of schools that are literally in towns of like five people, but the point is they can, you know, they can get into something wherever they're going to go. Um, and, and, it, and it almost doesn't matter, you know, who it is or, or, or where they're from. If they want to get into trouble, they're going to get into trouble. So if they're on campus, and they're doing their schoolwork, which is really technically speaking what they should be doing as student athletes, then I don't understand why he's concerned with them, quote, going back to their communities, because I was under the impression while you're under, um, while you're under your, your scholarship, you're still at school. And, and just because the season's canceled doesn't I mean they still can't, like, you know, go work right. out, um, right. still practice or they do whatever. Play. They're just not traveling because there's no season. Sure. Well, why would like the coaches not interact with them anymore because they don't have a football season? Like they still have, you know, future seasons or whatever to help them train for the NFL or help them train for the next season or help them for training for the spring season. There's a lot that they could do in the meantime, aside from just preparing for another week of football. You still can do a lot of stuff like for training or just game planning or whatever to get better for the future. Or just something to keep them busy because they're your, you know, they're your, your, your athletes. So you want to take care of them, right? It doesn't matter if you're playing a game or not. You still want to take care of them because that's what you promised them when you give them the scholarship. So well, why would that end because there's no – that's what that's they say. Insane, but what, you know? Yeah. So why would that end just because there's not going to be any games played? And a lot of people have said, like, yeah, they're going to be safer because if there's, you know, football, then they'll be protected by the coaches and testing and stuff. And I'm like – well, if there's no football, they still can be tested by their coaches and testing. You still can test them without having any games being played. So, a lot of people. Are, okay, a lot of people are working back. So, people are like, "I want football," 
how do I justify wanting football in my head? And they work backwards from that assumption and they try to figure out all the ways in which they can make wanting football not this morally irreprehensible irre act. And I think Trevor is doing a bit of that himself because he has no real incentive to truly want to play football besides wanting to play football and get the kind of national glory of winning the national championship as QB1 and MVP mm -hmm. of the whole Heisman. The, the legacy is at stake for Trevor, but there's no real – there's no – the safety ramifications obviously are the same because he's a quarterback. Not that he can't get hurt. We know he can. But the safety ramifications are the same. The, all the incentives kind of line up for him to want to play football, but he doesn't really think about the dude who – all that stuff doesn't line up for. Uh, a point that I saw uh, by a friend on Facebook um, who's, uh, I think, an athletic trainer. Not, I think she's an athletic trainer at a, uh, at a high school um, – she was pointing out that the reason that they should cancel the season is because even if you have a process where you opt out, uh, where you say, hey, players can opt out and they can go about their business and not play NFL, uh, excuse me, not play an NCAA season, that still affects them from the standpoint of coaches are going to take note of who opted out and who didn't opt out. Right. There's still an overall perception of what they mean to the team and what are they willing to play team ball and all that kind of stuff. When you cancel the entire season or you put the – precautions in place that the big 12 excuse me I keep doing that big 10 and pac 12 players were really advocating for which trevor lawrence really didn't go as far as them in his statement of, of trying to advocate for things then you start protecting those kind of players but as it is if you just say hey respect their decision opt out we know coaches aren't going to respect their decision opt out they're going to quietly remove their scholarship when all this blows over and it doesn't look like they're doing so because of covid and, and there's going to be a price to pay um, and so if you yeah. don't season, you remove that price to pay because we're all paying that price simultaneously. Um, and that's why it's incumbent upon the players to really stick together. And I find it interesting uh, that he has all the symbols of the Power Five conferences on there, and he's saying we're, we stand united. Well, well, you don't stand united because two of the conferences aren't playing games, and three of them are going forward. So even that from a player standpoint, y'all are not united at this point, even if y'all are trying to put on a united front. Right. And so that's why I think Trevor Lawrence is somewhat missing the mark. And I don't think he's doing so maliciously. Um, but obviously, like any human, he has his own biases and right. things that are serving him. And he's kind of working back from that and trying to make the pieces fit after that. And then also at the end of the day, kind of like, like Terrell said, though, I mean, he's, he's a college quarterback. So I don't really want to hear too much from him. But the reason why we're here is because he's like the number one player in the country right now. But like, aside from that, though, I was like, I don't care what you think, Trevor. <laughs> Yeah, like overall, he's not gonna you know sway me either way because right. because I know he wants to play as a, as a player. Right. And also, we have other stuff we can pull from to get better opinions and decisions than just right. you know the best player in, in in the country right now. Right. And that's what I mean by it. I know I know there's quite a few of these players that have some pretty eloquent thoughts on you know why they should be able to go out there and play and and, and the, the the personal decision and whatnot. I get that. We've been hearing that outside of sports we've been hearing that every day but the problem is is because you can't control what these fans are going to do because that's another part of this process that we're not really talking about which is they don't want to just play football they want to play football in a stadium full of fans and mm -hmm. you can't regulate what these people are going to do because you know, a majority of those fans in those stands who get pretty sauced up before the game and then go to the game and just wild out. It's like the idea that you're going to be able to regulate that situation. And those people aren't going to remember, we have a lot of traveling fans, especially in college sports. 
and you're going to have them travel and then they're going to go back to said community however far away it is and they've been to this event where it's just literally people screaming uh at each other and then they're going to go back to their hometown and then who knows if they're going to spread it at you know back when they get home we've and the reason why we know that's the case is because we've seen that that's exactly what's been happening so it's mm -hmm. like as much as I, you know, as I, it, it, I, end, I end up summing it up to, we don't need to hear from you, Trevor. The reason being is because exactly that. They don't think of it in those terms. They think of it as we can get on the field and then we can pay attention to what our, our teammates are doing and we can regulate ourselves. We can check our temperatures. We can make sure that we wear masks. We can do this. Great. I, I know you can do that. But then when you go and you interact with some other people or those people are in the stands and they go interact with other people after they leave that game, that's where the issue is. And I'd really just wish that some of these people that are just hardcore advocating for us to just have these huge, remember some of these stadiums are holding as much as 100,000 people. The, the mm -hmm. people that are advocating for us to just go and have these huge, insane football games in the next couple of months are not thinking about that. And if they are thinking about it, they just seem to not care. And so I just think it's, you know, that, that's why I'm, I'm just like, I don't want to hear from you players because I already know what you want to do. And speaking, speaking of that point, I, I do, I want to yell. <laughs> I want to yell at some coaches and some, uh, some ESPN talent and, and all those kind of things. But we, we're going to put that in the box for now because I, 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 I'm just going to let you know I want to yell at some people. I want to yell at some grownups. But before we do that, I do kind of want to get into how, what, what do we think this looks like logistically um first off what do we feel like because as of now three leagues uh i'll just call them leagues because that's fine they, they they leagues three conferences are are going to are going to try to make fall football happen um so what mm. does like what, how do we feel that'll go do i guess from a sports from a sports standpoint does this will this feel like a legitimate college football season it, it, I, I, how are we going to feel about this college football season and, and what kind of logistical nightmares are we going to run into? And let's, let's, let's answer the big question. Do, do we need a college football season? Like, is this something that needs to occur? Cause it's being framed as, a, as this thing, like a, the players need it and B we need it. And I, I'm not sure that we do. Um, so like, what, what, are, what are we even thinking about this as from a logistical standpoint? And then from a, Sports standpoint of like, is this gonna hold up? Lewis Riddick, uh, Lewis Riddick said today, and I thought it was a really interesting point when I was kind of reading some of the stuff that uh, you sent, Derek, and just kind of you know paying attention to Twitter and what some of these you know guys like Lewis Riddick who you know are in football, they've been in football, they understand the the front office aspect of things. He said something really interesting. Um, he said we don't necessarily need football as much as we need kind of and i'm paraphrasing here kind of like the human interest story that surrounds sports he didn't i don't think he just specifically said football he's talking about sports in general he said we kind of need the the human interest aspect of it that surrounds sports the the perseverance the working through adversary uh, ad, ad, adversity um the, the 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 little guy the the underdog story that's what we want, uh, which is why it was so, and this is just my thought on it, which is why the bubble games, the eight bubble games were so freaking like intriguing to everyone, even some people that weren't like big time fans, 
because you saw an opportunity for a team that might not have really been considered in it to maybe work their way into the equation when it was all said and done. So he, he, Lewis Riddick was saying that basically it's more or less we don't necessarily need sports as much as we need those stories that are intertwined or entangled, if you will, within ah. sports. Ah. So uh, basically that's what he was saying. And I, and I think there's some validity, uh, validity to that because he's right. I mean, you know, I, you know, just kind of a quick deal here. My wife, she's, she doesn't know everything about sports. She asked me questions about what, what's going on in the game as the game is going on. And I get a little annoyed, but I answer the questions. The reason why my wife follows sports the way as much as I do is because she likes to see when a team is down by 20 points, if they can come back, she will, she will watch the college football championship game just because it's a championship game. And she wants to see the players celebrate on the field. Same reason mm-hmm. she watches the Super Bowl. because that right there, I, I feel like is what we need as fans, because Let's be honest. I mean, if we don't have that, sports for me is my reality uh, TV. I, I don't, I don't fuck with reality TV. I'm not a Real Housewives of New Jersey or whatever the hell they they do these shows from. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not a, a, I'm not a Tiger, whatever that guy. I, I, don't, I, that's not. I don't rock with that. But sports is my reality TV because you got bigger than life personalities. You've got and personalities, talents, guys physically speaking that are bigger than the average person you see walking around. They're these feats of strength and speed and st- all these things. That's my reality TV, okay? And as fans, I think that is what we need. So no, I don't think we need sports. I think we need everything that's involved with sports from a, a, a standpoint of real life and how we relate that to our everyday lives and the people that we know around us. And I think that's why sports is important right now. So I think that's the aspect of sports that we need more so than just the wins and losses and the stats. Interestingly, interestingly enough, I feel like we were getting the, at least 80, 70 to 80% of that without sports. Like, yeah, I agree. I, yeah. Stuff without sports, um, as we kind of took a year off from it, we were still finding ways to kind of talk about other things. Sure. Um, I asked I asked too many questions, and Terrell kind of got bogged down in one specific question. So I'm kind of going to go to Daniel on the logistical side of this. Like, <laughs> what? Like, how is this going to work? We are seeing the MLB failing miserably, because mostly because of the travel aspect. And you can't tell me that these teams are going to play without being able to travel. There's no bubbles here. So how are we? How are we doing this? No, I mean, they're going to be traveling. Their great idea to fix this is that, okay, you're only going to travel within your conference mm-hmm. because, like, they assume that the conference team should be close enough to where it kind of limits how far you're traveling, which means it should limit the chance of you getting COVID and such. But if you look at most conferences, these things are spread out through, like, multiple states. Yeah. Some of them even, like, all across America. Like, the Big 12 has, like, West Virginia, yeah. so, it's, like, it's not even close to the, not even close to the other, other schools and stuff. But that's besides the point. Apparently, they're going to have it to where you're playing only a, a only conference schedule. And by doing that, you know, you can see like a full slate, I think 10 games, and then have a conference champion. And then from there, I don't, I have no idea what they would do after that point. Um, but it, well, go ahead, Terrell. The SEC is like COVID central. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I, you know, and that's the part that annoys me. It's like the SEC is like full of states that, 
like literally were like, yeah, we don't give a crap about this COVID thing. We're just gonna let everybody get sick. Like they practically said that. So that's the part that's funny to me is like logistically, I don't even know why we even allow an SEC to sit down at the table because most of the states, you know, the Georgias, the Floridas, you know, parts of Alabama, like Louisiana, like these states, <laughs> they, they just to, don't give a crap. To Terrell's point, baseball did this. Baseball yeah. did this whole regional thing already. And Miami, the Miami Marlins literally got COVID in the city yeah. of Miami. Right. <laughs> yeah, like, but they, those weren't college players, Derek. College players listen to their coaches. It, <laughs> professional players are paid. They do what they want. They got money. Oh, yeah. These, these players need their coaches. <laughs> they'll do exactly what they say when they say it. Yeah. You don't know this? <laughs> I, I, I did. I, I wasn't aware. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I, I've seen a lot of you documentaries. I've seen a lot of the you documentaries that would tell me otherwise, but that's beside the point. I'm going to let Dan get back to his point. I just wanted to point out that the Miami Mons got the got COVID from, you know, the city of Miami. They didn't go anywhere. Right, they went right down the street and got COVID. COVID but doesn't care. This is, well, yeah, well, this is actually eerily reminiscent or close to the MLB plan for COVID because it's like, yeah, we're going to play it or we're going to test. And, you know, when we find someone that's positive, we're going to quarantine them and then keep playing or whatever, or let them sit down. Like, they haven't really talked about, like, okay, say we play these games, and then the week before, my starting quarterback gets COVID, so he has to sit out that game. Right. Are people going to enjoy watching a game to where, like, some of your best players are sitting down because they had to set up because of COVID? But the, the reason the NBA can get around this is because they're all in the same space. They're not testing positive at all. But there's a good chance that some of these players are going to start testing positive because they're going to be traveling every week to a different location, and when that happened, and when they had to ultimately sit down and not play, how is that going to affect the quality of the games or how people perceive the games going forward? Because, you know, a lot of conferences, there's a lot of rivalries between these teams, right? But if someone wins this game with, like, half their team out because of COVID, how are the fans going to feel about having that L on their record for all of eternity because it was because of COVID-19, right? So it's going to be kind of strange to see how it's going to be received. Is it like, oh, football is football. We don't care as long as football is all we want. Or is it like, well, we want quality football. And this isn't quality football, so we don't really enjoy watching this at all. So it's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out because they really are kind of doing it a fly by the seat of your pants type of, you know, we're going to start the games and whatever happens, we're going to adapt on the fly. But as we've seen already, it doesn't work that way doing it on the fly when it comes to playing sports, having to travel with so many athletes. You have to have a plan in place and have like a plan A, B, and C already set up, like the NBA, like the WNBA is doing as well. But for college football, they're just going to let it go. Um, they have the schedules worked out, and that's about it. And then they're going to be doing some, doing some testing. But aside from that, they don't have any other precautions or protection to make sure that the quality is going to be good going forward. Yeah. So that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, because you couldn't do a bubble-type thing for college football. You can't really even do it for the NFL. But specifically for college football, these are still students, so they have to be on campus. You can't just put them in a hotel for months on end and have them not do anything but play football because this isn't their, this isn't their livelihood. Well, you could if they were employees. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. But they're not employees, but so you can't just <laughs> – uh, <laughs> but they're uh, not. So they got to be on um, campus. Mm, uh, if only you were paying for labor. Uh, <laughs> oh, well. Oh, well. <laughs> I'm reminded of a quote, Daniel. It goes, 
Never mind. I'm going to move on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Hell no, damn. I'm on the edge of my seat, bro. Hey. You have to live on the edge of your seat, man. Uh, <laughs> No, but uh, I honestly, what happened there is I, it, it left my head until I was stalling for time and now it's back. It's like, hey, neighbor, <laughs> your debts are paid because you don't pay for labor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That literally is what I hear. That's literally what I hear when the NCAA speaks on anything. It's serious right. lesson from a slaver. Hey, neighbor, you get that's a pay because you don't pay for labor. <laughs> you yeah. don't pay for labor, bro. Okay. <laughs> Um, and so, but it's, I just, I don't understand. And that's why I kind of asked the overall question that kind of Terrell got bogged down in is that I don't understand what this is for specifically. Right. I, I get why the players want to play, right? Like there's stuff on the line for them. I think it's a little short-sighted and I, I don't think they're actually thinking about the long-term. And I don't think any of them really need this from a, from a long-term success perspective. I'm not sure of the guys who are truly going to get hurt by this. Like if you're a senior yeah, I know you don't. You're, you're mad. You didn't get your last. You're a senior who's not an NFL talent, right? You're mad. You didn't get your last season. I get it. That sucks. That's no one wants that. But unfortunately, that's the area we're living in. Like a lot of seniors in high school didn't get to do a lot of the senior stuff that they wanted to do, and, and it was unfortunate. And we felt for them. But at the same time, you're gonna get your degree. You're gonna go off. You're gonna go do what you need to do. There's no. I don't understand. I understand why you want to play, but there's no real. There's no real incentive to to do this. Right. But for and for. I, I get this even less because of how this is going to be structured. We're going to have, like Daniel says, we're going to have a lot of stuff where it's like, is this game count? Do we, like, two two conferences aren't even playing. We're not sure if we're going to have a national championship. We're not sure how legitimate any of these, like, say someone has a record-breaking season, how legitimate would that even be? Uh, from a sports standpoint, if you can't even vibe with a let's keep our children safe argument, from a sports perspective, I don't understand what this is going to mean in two, in five years that we should want to see this. Right. Like well, what it really what it, what it is is when you follow, like, especially college teams, like, you probably follow, like, recruiting stuff. You get all these articles about how, you know, next year is our year. You have a good team or whatever. And they, they want to see something on the field, basically what it is. They just want to see their team out there playing, you know, maybe looking really athletic or really talented. Just to say that they saw football because they're like, oh, I'm used to having football at this time of the year. And, you know, I mean, the whole year has been crazy, so I don't know why this thing would be, like, normal on football season. But they're like, yeah, I'm used to football. I wanted to do football. You know, you've taken away my bars, taken away my right to not wear a mask and blah, blah, blah. But you can't take away my football. So they want to have that football play because they're like, we need to see something to have give us, give us something to talk about. Um, what's strange, though, is the whole, you know, um, how some players might lose out because they won't be able to play. Maybe they won't be able to show out for the NFL to, you know, maybe get drafted and such. But a good way to get around that is say, okay, well, you know, we're going to cancel the season, and then all current seniors, you have an extra year of eligibility no matter what. So you can choose to either come back and play again, and you'll have, you know, your scholarship to be able to play another year of college football that doesn't count against you. Or if you're like Trevor Lawrence, to say, no, I'm cool. I'm just going to go ahead and, you know, go to NFL, and that's fine too. So there's ways they, they can accommodate that. But one, that's going to be expensive because you have to guarantee all these additional uh, scholarships. You know, they don't want to give no extra benefit to players. Um, they're probably like, well, what about the incoming freshmen? They won't be able to play at all, or blah, blah, blah. It's like they'll be on the team still, so they can still compete for those jobs. It's just that they have to beat out now like a senior, second-year senior or whatever. 
And then once that year is over, all those seniors and extra seniors all leave at the same time. So it's like, you're not really losing out. Just have an extra year to play. And then after a year, it resets and gets back to normal because at the end of the day, it's not going to be normal because these aren't normal times. So you got to make the best of it and hopefully plan to at some point get back to what the status quo was eventually. And a good way to do it is to say, okay, well, if we're going to cancel the season, then just to make sure that our players are protected because we don't want them to lose out, even though we're losing money, we want to protect our players because we care about them as student athletes, we'll give them an extra year of eligibility to do what they want with it. And they can decide if they want to transfer, play, not play, go into the workforce, stay another year, get a master's, do whatever you want. But to make sure you don't lose out because, you know, this isn't beyond your control, you can come back and play. And who wouldn't want to see that their best players come back and play for another year? Sure. But – that was thrown out there initially, and then that really got no steam. And then now we're here where it's like they have to play so they can get some good film and get to the NFL. So why that happened, I'm sure we all can tell because we're kind of all greedy and just want to see what we want right now. But, hey, student-athletes, right? Yeah, you know, this says a lot about this whole situation just generally as a country says a lot about how we view our quote unquote entertainment. Um, There's just this huge contingency of people that just, this is entertainment to them. And I honestly, especially when you just listen to everything that's been said, when, when we first saw the prospect of the seasons being shortened or um, postponed or whatever it is, when that's first started coming up, you start hearing some of the things that are being said, or you start reading some of the social media. And it's really interesting because you get to, you get a really good understanding of how just the average everyday person views these, these kids that are playing these sports, man. It's like, they, you know, they know the name on the Jersey, you know, but they really don't care that much about their situations or the things surrounding it. It's just like entertain me. And if you can't entertain me, your value isn't there. And it's sad because we've had this argument about sports and, 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 and athletes in general for decades. Like we were having this argument about CTE and, and, and how, you know, the, the fans don't give a crap what happens to these players or the fact that they're on the, all these opioids and stuff like that, this pan, opioid pandemic, like all these things, when it came down to professional athletes or even amateur athletes, we really showed our asses about how how little we really care about these people when it comes to anything other than the product that they give us on the field and uh, the entertainment value behind it. So it really kind of sucks. But I go back to what I said earlier. I just don't feel like this is something that we need, not specifically seeing them on the field. Um, you know, I just don't think it's necessary. If you can get right, you know, as a country, as far as this pandemic goes, whether it takes a couple months or whatever it is, and everybody could just get on the same page and do what needs to be done, guess what? All this shit comes back the way it was before. It really does. I mean, yeah, coronavirus will always be there, but as far as just stopping it from spreading around, which leads right into what we're talking about right now is the fact that these, whether it's NFL or college football, they want to have stadiums full of people because quote unquote, it's our right and it's what we should be able to do if that's what we want to do and personal responsibility and, and, and blah, blah, blah. But yet you can't have one and not have the other. You can't spread this crap all over the country like it is right now. If you decide that for your entertainment purposes, we need to have stadiums full of people yelling and screaming. So, you know, that's the part that just gets on my nerves is like, 
the reason why people are claiming we should have sports is the same reason why we're in the position that we're in because and we don't have sports right now. I keep I saw this um, when talking about the debate on if we should send uh, the children back to school. Um, and it, it actually applies here. And it's like, hey, if you wanted to have a school year, you should have quarantined in the in the in the spring when you were supposed to for the five weeks. We could have been and had all this stuff back, but y'all guys didn't want to do what was necessary. And so it's like, it really is, hey, we want to just do whatever we want all the time and never really pay any of the consequences. But you know who's paying the consequences are the people who are dying from the coronavirus who didn't have to contract this virus whatsoever. And right. So it's it's, it's it's very it's very reckless and it's very like hey if you wanted a college football season you should have done what you needed to do so that you could have a college football season if it meant that much to you right well even let's kind of put the owners on go ahead go ahead I'm sorry oh no I'm just gonna say there are there are people that never set foot in a football stadium or a, a basketball venue or a baseball stadium there are people that never set foot that died from this thing that never set foot in it but they were directly impacted because somebody that did probably got it there and then passed it around the neighborhood. So that's the part of it that I don't think people really understand because they don't want to believe it or not. But um, it, it's kind of funny people talked about it. And, and I say this, I'm a Niners fan and it's kind of a running joke, but somebody in San Francisco said that, uh, you know, obviously the Super Bowl was in, in February and somebody was saying that had the 49ers won the Super Bowl based on where um, they are, you know, because Kansas City wasn't really considered a hot spot, but California was uh, even early on. I mean, I think one of the first cases, not it was in Washington and in California, but that they were saying the San Francisco 49ers would have had a huge um, parade like they did in Kansas City. And because San Francisco and the, and the West Coast was already sort of known to be an area where we had had some cases, that could have been crazy because of the fact that yeah. there would have been a million people at that parade and they could have just been passing out all over the place because where was the Super Bowl? Freaking Miami. So it's like mm -hmm. somebody, it, it's a running joke, but then it's not a joke at the same time because it's actually feasible that had that parade happened, not in the Midwest, but happened on the West Coast where in, late, in, in February and even in January, it was known that the thing was already here. That could have been catastrophic beyond what we're seeing right now. Why? Because situations where some old person at a Starbucks somewhere could have went and got a latte and because somebody went to the Super Bowl a couple of weeks before could have contracted it and it would have just went from there. So that's yeah. the aspect of it that nobody thinks about is the fact that people can be affected by this that weren't at these venues by somebody that was at these venues. And that's crazy, man. So D, I, I know you're about to say something. I, I want to tell you why I was laughing just now because and I, I, I always I always make fun of Terrell for how he, he for what he does on the podcast, right? And I, I make fun mm. of him because I see a lot of myself in it and how I speak. And so like it's really me just kind of looking in the mirror sometimes and being like, wow, this is this is this is fun. But Terrell <laughs> when Terrell spins a story, right? And it's so enjoyable. I love listening to him spin tales at the same time from a from a from a looking at the clock standpoint, I don't always love it. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's so bogged down in the incidentals like he'll 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 go on like a little Anytime. mini and he wants to like figure that like in that scenario we didn't necessarily need the whole covid started in washington and then <laughs> we got bogged down in it and he was yeah i was like we got a whole historical <laughs> it could be a worse like, man 
It could have been worse. What I wanted to point out about that is I do the same thing, except that usually I will identify that I'm doing it, and then I'll throw that bit away. Like, I'll, I'll get stuck, and then I'll be like, that's not important. Moving on. <laughs> I'll just go back to the well, story. I got grandpa stories, homie. I, I got I to gotta give you all of it. But it, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't help the situation because I still do get sidetracked. It's just that I will give up on it. You know, five five minutes later, <laughs> he'll just continue his point. It'll it'll end up being the same runtime, just in a different way. So anyway, deep. <laughs> oh man, yeah. now I was going to touch a little bit on just your, your parallel between like um you know kids going back to school and starting out these these uh, sports again too. Um, one of the great failings for kids going back to school is that we knew at some point they had to go back to school, but we made no plans for them to be able to go back until it got like too late or like a month before or something. And like, we had a whole year to plan about, okay, are we going to handle testing? Are we going to handle going to different classes? Are we going to do like online or whatever? But it wasn't really thought about or put into place until like maybe a month or two before. And they're like, yeah, well, we're going to start school and see how it goes. And happy y'all can be home, happy y'all, whatever. And teachers can figure it out as it goes. And everyone's like, what are you talking about? Well, the same thing for sports, too, because like in college football, we've known that stuff is going to get canceled or that COVID's out there. And they really haven't had any plan set up until pretty recently when they, you know, decided, oh, okay, well, we're going to not do any traveling except for like in conference or whatever and stuff like that. So it seems like, I guess, either they're just going to wait it out and hope for the best or whatever. But um, in comparison to, like, the NBA, who kind of have plans ahead of time for, like, okay, if this was what happens, we can do something else to make sure we can play these games. Um, college football hasn't done anything like that at all. It's more like, okay, well, it's coming up, so let's try to figure some stuff out. And now the players are asking for stuff to protect them. It's like, oh, we probably should have thought about that before, you know, being close to the season even starting off and stuff. But – a lot of stuff is like kind of kicking the bucket down, you know, kicking the bucket down the street. And then eventually it's like, oh, I guess we have to do something now. And, and it's showing, right, in terms of like, okay, well, what we're going to do is we're going to test them and have conference games. And, yeah, and they're like, well, that's it. Like, yeah, that's right. That should be good to go. It's like, and they're football players, so they're used to risk anyways. And it's like, that's all you have? <laughs> it's like you're a billion-dollar organization, and that's all you, come, you can come up with in terms of like safety for the players. Um, making sure like the fans are safe and your coaches are safe and all that kind of stuff. So I think people either didn't take it seriously or, or assumed it would blow over or whatever. Um, but in terms of running the business, you always should have like, you know, the plan A, B, and C, but it seems like they're kind of stuck on plan A, I guess, which is we're going to play and see how it goes. And oh like God. we said, we saw they had ever since this was considered a yeah considered a pandemic that was the time for them to start planning for what what if it doesn't go away by the time football comes up what if should they it should have been doing it the whole entire time but they're like no let's wait and see let's chill let's see what the nba does what the what baseball does and then we can make our decision and this is what happens is like okay well we got to play now because we need to make the money but there's really nothing really to fully protect the players which is why like some just pulled out because they're like, yeah, we don't have anything in place. So if, if stuff goes wrong, that's going to fall back on us and we're going to get a whole bunch of lawsuits and whatever and stuff like that. So it's like, well, no, we're not going to play now. So if you had in place stuff like insurance policies, all that kinds of protections, health insurance and stuff form, that could maybe mitigate that and make people want to actually try to play like all conferences and stuff. But for the way set up right now, like there's nothing really set up as a fallback. So it's like, yeah, we're not going to give that a shot and risk everything. So, so two points on that. Uh, I think people have kind of been using COVID, viewing COVID in one of two ways. Even the people who are kind of, you know, using the science, 
Like it was either, hey, COVID was all a hoax and people have been fighting that battle or people were like, oh, COVID is not a hoax. Everyone quarantine and it will just go away. But no one's actually doing the quarantine part. So it's not actually going away. And so people have been attacking it from those two perspectives and only those two perspectives. So they're not really putting in contingency plans for the actions that are actually occurring because either they're fighting the war that you should believe COVID is real or they're fighting the war that you should be in quarantine, but they're not really figuring out other ways, especially businesses. And that goes into my second point, which is that we're kind of seeing the ramifications. And I think COVID's, like I say it every week, COVID's brought, COVID's shown a lot of the flaws and how we do this kind of things, these kind of things in the United States of America. And one of the flaws that we're seeing is what happens when businesses survive is based on corporate capitalism and not when they survive based on strong leadership and strong and innovative ideas. Because a lot of these businesses, they're not led by brilliant people. They're not led by people who, had, who will make contingency plans. They're led by people whose solution mostly is the workers will just continue to work. Right. And so you're seeing the fruits of those labors is that when you, have, when you have these emergencies, they don't have a plan. They don't make plans. They just kind of hope it'll move along. And with a virus, it doesn't do that. And so, you know, I really like capitalism all, all the time. And Daniel gets on me uh, jokingly. But like he, I, I know he agrees with me on this, is that you're seeing what happens when corporate capitalism kind of runs your country. You're not seeing the best and the brightest making contingency plans because those are the people who are in leadership positions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Well, actually, it might be that and also the fact that the, um, the structure for college sports is set up to where they only had to take consideration for their employees, which are the students. Because had they been actual like company company, you have to do something to protect your employees, right? Like give them like either some type of medical insurance or send them home or whatever. But since they're just students though, they have to take that into mind for their decision making. It's like, oh, they're not actual employees. They don't have certain rights and protections that we as regular employees just have with our companies and such. Yeah, so that might be another reason why it's kind of being a little different than like a, a, a regular business. I just think it's funny that we're, you know, and I say generally speaking, we expect you know, college football, which is not known for protecting the players, we're expecting them to do it now. Like, <laughs> like I, they're not known for that. I know that, you know, from a medical standpoint, if the guy blows his knees out, he's probably going to be able to go see Dr. Andrews or whoever it is. But my point is, is that being said, there's still a lot of instances where we can say these players aren't protected as well as they probably should be. And then for us to be expecting for that to happen now in a situation where we're dealing with just like a virus, it's like, I'm, I'm surprised when they just, I'm surprised at the fact that they have medical in case something happens to them and it's debilitating and they may be, you know, affected by it for the rest of their lives and, and that maybe they have some sort of benefit there. I'm surprised if I hear that about college football. So Mm-hmm. I'm completely blown away by the idea that they're really going to try to do anything for these kids to help maybe possibly prevent them from catching coronavirus. Like, I don't think that they are. I think it's like, like we were just saying, I think it's more along the lines of, well, if they get it, we'll deal with that. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. More so than, hey, what can we do to make sure they don't? And uh, it's, it's just like, you know, again, with the injuries. Well, we're not going to do much to prevent them from getting injuries um, unless we're forced to. Um, and we'll cross the bridge when we get to it. Like, you know, with the whole targeting and stuff like that. Okay, that's what we're going to try to do for, you know, kids getting, you know, head injuries. Okay, great. But how, what did it take to get to that point? And listen to the complaints we get with it now. And that's for physical things that are on the field. 
So I don't expect mm-hmm. much of anything out of them when it comes to coronavirus. So I'm not shocked that they didn't do much over the last several months that they had to prepare for this. And so <clears throat> this is the part where we, where I briefly decided that I just want to yell at some adults because I think a lot of, this, <laughs> I think a lot of the adults in the room have, have abdicated their responsibility uh, in, in favor of whatever their economic interest is. Like I see a lot of ESPN employees not really kind of taking the science and running with it and being like, hey, this isn't a good idea. You know, look at baseball. I'm seeing a lot of ESP employees kind of behind the guise of the children need football. And really, it's, they yeah. want football. Um, but they're like, well, these kids, they're going to lose a lot. And it's like, well, they don't have to if you advocate for them properly. But instead, you're just advocating for them the only way that benefits you, right. which is seeing football on Saturdays. And I, I, I just – I find it disgusting, man. I find it disgusting that these coaches would go into their – these kids' house, and they say, "Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take your son. I'm gonna turn him into a, to a, to a man. I'm gonna take your daughter. I'm gonna turn her into a, into a woman. And then when it, it's time to advocate for them on their behalf, they only advocate on their specific economic interests and what would benefit them and what gets them paid for the year. And 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 I don't even and it, it, it makes me even matter because I'm not even sure that some of them understand that that's what they're doing. I think some of them actually do think that they're doing the right thing." And that's what makes me even more sad because you can't correct a, a problem that you're not seeing. At least if, at least if they, if I knew they were just being craven assholes, I, I could advocate that a, someone would, should fire them. And I, I still would advocate for that, but I'm just saying, I just, it's annoying to me. All the adults from the administrators, from the coaches, from, from the people, sports personalities, I feel like many of them, I'm not, I'm not saying all of them because obviously there's some people saying stuff like we are saying, but a lot of people, I'm seeing too many people abdicating their responsibility as the adults in the room to tell these kids, hey, I know this is what you want, but unfortunately in life, you don't always get what you want. Your safety and your 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 life is more valuable than this bottom line. And I'm going to make sure that we do every, we put every precaution in place to make sure that that is, that is, that is stated to you. You know that unequivocally because in large parts, Trevor Lawrence and his gang are the only ones advocating for this kind of stuff. Yeah. The players have to advocate on their own behalf for this stuff. And it's it's ridiculous, man. It's ridiculous. And so, like, I'm just disappointed. Uh, it's, it reminds me of during labor negotiations when uh, net sports networks are calling like, well, you know, we just want basketball back. We don't have an official opinion. And it's like, no. Tell me who's right and who's wrong and who's trying to get over on me. That's your job as a journalist. That's your job. That's your job. Yep. And so I, I, I get frustrated when I see stuff like this. And it, it's really reminding me of those kind of situations where there really should just be a pretty high consensus on making sure these kids are taken care of. And instead, it's more, hey, we just kind of want football back. That's- well, Derek, I know you have like your, your little uh, tirade and war on, on grown people right now. But you shot some mail to the parents of the players. But just so you know, it, quite a few articles have come out that the, the parents for some players for Ohio State, Iowa, and Penn State are outraged that the season was postponed. So some of these parents actually want football part of a month or more than some of the fans as well, too, because they're football parents and such. So it's not just the fact that they're, like, being bamboozled and tricked and stuff. Some people do want it to be played. But to me, though, the reason why is because – there's no good alternative for them not playing. So, like, if my son doesn't play, this is his last year, 
he wants to go to the league, gets a chance to go. If, but if he doesn't play, he might not get enough film, might not get drafted, and have to worry like a rather job and such, right? Or something like that. Um, but if there was a good alternative, like, okay, well, no, he can't play this year, but if he wants to come back next year and play, he has that option. Or, okay, he can play this year, but we also do have, you know, certain protections for him and stuff like that. There's no alternative for them. So all they know is, like, either they can play or they can't play. These other kids are playing, but my kid can't play. So now my kid is being disadvantaged because my conference said that they can't play. So how come, well, how come they are safe to play, but ours isn't safe to play as well? But similar to the players, you got to take it out of the players' hands and the parents' hands because you have to have good alternatives for them to let them know that, hey, this is for your best interest. And we're not leaving them, leaving them out to dry. We have a good alternative for them as well to make sure that they're taken care of too. In the interest of full disclosure, I was actually including the parents in that rant as well. I just didn't specifically oh, okay. because I, honestly, one of the things that made me mad about it is I did see that some of the Big Ten parents were advocate were mad, and I was just like, "This, this is outrageous." But I, I mean, I do get I do get that perspective, but I feel like you should be advocating on behalf of your your kid getting an extra year of college, not advocating for him to go play a football game that could it could take his life. Right. <laughs> Well, I would say in terms of parents, though, of course, they want them to get the education as well. But if they know that their kid is talented, which, you know, I think most parents think their kids are talented in some sense, that they want them to have the best chance possible to kind of get to that next level, live their dream. Because if you're a parent, you've seen them every day of their life working for a certain goal of either playing sports in college, professionally or whatever. So you know how much it would hurt them not to be able to do that. Right. So that probably would hurt you as a parent which is probably why they are saying, okay, if my kid can't play, how come that kid can play and get to live out his dream, maybe go to the league, get millions of dollars and stuff, or just enjoy playing football before he graduates and goes off to the workforce, but my kid can't do that. So why did you make the decision? And that's understandable as like, an apparent because you have that attachment to your child. But what I'm saying is, in regards of that, it's on the conference and the leadership to make sure that they have good alternatives to make sure that they're taken care of as well. Because no matter what, if you're going to say we can't play and that's it, there's going to be outrage no matter what. But that doesn't mean you have to just say we can't play and then that's the end of it. You lose your year of eligibility. You have to do whatever. You can do stuff to protect them to help them out. But in terms of parents, though, yeah, most times I think they're going to side with like their child to say that they want them to be happy and fulfill their dreams and things of that nature, too. So I, I shoot them some bell on that because it's probably a little different when, you know, if you're a parent of somebody who's trying to do something and someone's not letting them do that but other people are, be, are being able to do it that that's a good point because i'm seeing you know i'm seeing a lot of that in um from an entertainment standpoint um a lot of the the boards that i'm on you know uh not actual boards but like you know like message boards and stuff like that where we talk about like you know what's going on with auditions and what's going on here in texas with in regards to the arts and stuff like that there's a lot of parents that are complaining and it's very similar to what we're talking about with football. There's a lot of parents that are complaining that their kid hasn't been able to go on an audition uh, because, you know, the auditions they do get are virtual. And then it's like, Oh, well, I don't know how to work this, or I don't know how to work that, or I don't have time to sit down with my kid to get them set up for some sort of virtual audition or so. And so we're seeing that same type of stuff with this as well. And it goes right back to what Derek was saying. You have these parents that are literally complaining, like, you know what, if we're willing to take the risk of going to an audition, if it puts my kid in a position to, you know, get a part in a movie or a TV show or a commercial. And it's the same thing with these sports parents, man. It's like, 
You know, we've, we've taken, I've taken my kid to these camps in the summers, or I've taken my kid to this, or I've watched these tapes, or I've taught my kid, or I've worked with my kid, and all for this opportunity. And now, how many of these kids are in their sophomore, junior year in college, and they're looking at this like the last chance that kid might have to get themselves to the NFL, and there's a possibility that that might not happen. So, I mean, mm -hmm. it sucks, but you kind of see it across the board, you know, and, and these parents really are in a position where they have to sit back and say, you know what, how much of this is about me and how much of this is about my kid, you know, because that's another aspect of it. Some of this is just about that parent, you know, and then yeah. seeing a situation where, oh, well, my kid could make millions of dollars in the NFL if they could just have a season and he could just showcase himself enough to get, you know, better his position in the draft. And so, you know, a lot of these parents are sort of willing to forego that part of it if they have an opportunity to see their kid realize some dream that maybe they're living through their kid on. And it's, it sucks, but I mean, that's kind of what it feels like to me as well. Now, I always wonder which of these kind of parents are out here doing this because during these kind of times, these situations favor the economically privileged, the people in, in, who have privilege who can, you know, who can take off work and just kind of sit at home and don't have to worry about daycare and but don't also don't worry have to worry about losing you know their entire life savings or anything like that or in, in case of Terrell's point uh, a parent who does have the equipment and the time and wherewithal to uh to be able to set all that kind of stuff up and has the privilege and 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 resources to do so but oftentimes you don't really see those parents, the parents who are disadvantaged are the ones that are making the big fuss about it because those parents usually will do what they have to do at all costs to make their opportunities for their kids. You usually see the more privileged parents are the ones who actually are making these complaints. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's always weird to me. Just this country is just weird to me and it baffles me in so many ways. And then who complains and who doesn't complain and who just kind of tries to, to fight through because honestly, if you, if you are in a disadvantaged situation, your only option is to either fight through or just kind of fail. Even if it's not your fault, that's kind of the only two options you got. And so it, 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 it bugs me, man. And that's why I do agree with Daniel that it's on, it's on leadership to make sure that they, there are options in place so that people who don't have these advantages, and they're not even just talking about sports, talking about in a, in a, in, from a government standpoint as well. It's on leadership. Yeah. It's on the leadership to make sure that people who are disadvantaged have resources so that they can continue to survive and live and and, and somewhat thrive. Like I, I I don't even I don't even have a problem saying somewhat thrive because it, because I think everyone should have a right to live a, a, a decent life, right? Uh, you know, I, I I just think that's that's what this this world should be about. Um, and so it, it, it I I only say that to say that I think that uh. I think it's interesting who usually is complaining. I'd be interested to know which of the Big Ten parents is it. Is it someone like a Trevor Lawrence's type parents? I'm not saying Trevor Lawrence's parents did this because that's a completely different conference and they are playing football. But is it someone who's who's probably a little more privileged and advantaged? Are they the ones complaining, or is it the disadvantage? And I and, and to Daniel's point, I do give some leeway to people who this is their only option and they want to make sure that they're not getting screwed out of it. Um, there should be some of that thought process. At the same time, we need to make sure that we're protecting protecting these kids, man. Um, so that's that's all I have left. Do you you guys have anything before we we move on to, to the greatest segment in all the land? Yeah, well, that's why it's important to do stuff across the board and have certain protections because, like you say, at least to a, a bias, if you don't, in terms of who has to take more risk or do certain things to 
you know, make sure that they they can make it. Because if 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 you thought that your only way out is your son making the league, then yeah, all that home go out there and get a concussion, go out there and get COVID or whatever. Because if he doesn't make it, then we're not going to make it, right? So no matter what, he has to play because, in my mindset, if he doesn't play this year, he's not going to get drafted, and it's been a failure. But if he had sort of protections for everybody, like, okay, well, now everybody's not playing, so we're all in the same situation, and everybody can come back and play next year, they get another chance of having more taste. So all of them checking out as well. And that kind of takes away some of the vibes because it's like, I know that you think you have to make it, and we're not taking that away from you now because you can come back and play still and get another chance of making it. It's not just you have to do it now, right now, or it's over. So we'll do something that's kind of risky and try to make and get your dream to go as well. And then for Trevor Lawrence, I actually could see his parents being the ones that are complaining because not just because they wanted to play, but because if he plays and then wins the Heisman and wins the championship, once he gets drafted, his market and value will go like even higher in terms of him making more money. So I can see why his parents might want him to play as well. But even if they are like well, well, um, well off and such, just him in terms of making money after college football could be even more lucrative if he uh, has more accolades to have on his shelf and stuff when it comes to like Nike and the brands and such too. And also, real quick, uh, I know I said last last thoughts, but I remember something, and that's that. Why are people acting like the Big Ten and Pac-12 canceled their seasons? They right. didn't cancel their seasons; they postponed them, and with the hopes that they'll be able to play in the spring. Right. Uh, I don't, I'm not exactly sure why that's not good enough. Because they're saying it wouldn't be enough time off for them to have another season next year. Right. So they're saying they say they, they say they're going to fall seasons into one year because they're looking at it like, say we go to spring, so we're going to do spring and then we're going to turn around and have another season in September. In the fall. So yeah, they're, they're saying so that. Uh, I think, I think it might have been Urban Meyer who was saying something about that. Like he was saying that it's kind of asking quite a bit to try to cram two seasons into even if one is a partial season, trying to cram two seasons into one year which is essentially what they'd end up doing if they did mm-hmm. the whole, let's do this in spring. Let's show up in late February and then do a season wow. 18 well, I have, a, I have a very simple solution to that. And that's, so right, you play you play in what, late February with, with college football, you probably, you know, you're going to have to make some concessions. So right. a little shorter season, maybe you take a couple games off the schedule. You, you come back, you try to end that season by, by April, mm-hmm. right? And then you turn around, you don't come back in the fall, not exactly in the fall, you don't come back in September, you come back in what, November? And you just slowly move the schedule back to normal over the course of three to five years, as opposed to trying to cram everything into one year. You just have to to delicately balance this shit back to where it was. Do we remember when the Super Bowl used to be? What? The Super Bowl wasn't always in February, remember? Super Bowl used to be like like mid- mid-January and then things happened and things got moved back so I mean it's the same type of situation I know it's not exactly the same but the point is it's not uncommon for a situation where you can maybe have something deviate and and move some things around and then you can eventually work your way back to toward where you were yeah but I think one hang up would be maybe with the um, uh, TV contracts I'm not sure if they're set for like a certain time period um, maybe having to, have to compete against other um, other sports like right. the NFL or NBA or whatever. You know, it gets maybe a little bit murky if you kind of move it around and such. 
it's something they, they can work out, but it's probably too much work for them to want to do. So they're like, yeah, let's <laughs> do one season and get back to normal. Yeah. So I can see why they can, they, they don't want to do that, but that's why people are saying that, that they're going to cancel the season eventually because they can't play spring and then play in the fall immediately because football doesn't – the toll on their body is too much for, for football for that. Yeah, nobody yeah, wants to take that temporary L. Don't nobody want to take yeah. the temporary L. And that's the thing is that at some point somebody's going to have to take a loss for like uh, – for just – somebody's going to have to take one. Like – whether it's having a, 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 an abbreviated season at a point when they don't want to have it because maybe ratings or maybe this or maybe that, but somebody's going to have to eventually take that L in order for the, the long game to work itself out. Um, mm -hmm. you know, and I think that's unfortunately where we are at this point is this is we're right now in the middle of somebody taking an L and it's just a matter of who it's going to be and who it is. So, you know, I, I always advocate for the corrupt system taking the L, but the corrupt system, you know, didn't, like, didn't want to go along with that, you know. Never. <laughs> Shockingly, the corrupt system always pushes back against that notion. I, I'm always – it baffles and perplexes me. I would think they would be willing to take the L, but no. They're always like, no, D, we're not going to take the L. We're corrupt. <laughs> That's how they say it, just like that. Yeah. No, we're corrupt. No, no we're corrupt. You ain't, you, ain't, you ain't cheating. You ain't trying, man. LT told us. And so I think that'll do it for that topic. I hope that you feel like we took that topic and we put it in a little bowl and we mix it on up and we served it back to you, the people. And now you're informed. You, the people, informed. Go out. Tell all your friends about how the corrupt system is trying to kill your kids. Protect um, <laughs> <laughs> the children. Um, <clears throat> and so are we prepared for the greatest segment in all the land? Sent down from the ages... The forefathers, D.R. Lewis, the actual third, from way back Not in three, the day, baby. they also used to the, the actual third. I'm like, which one are you now? Jeez. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's, it's cyclical, man. So now I'm restarting that cycle, you see. Back in uh, D.R. Lewis, Lewis, the 33rd. Yeah, baby. <laughs> that's, that's what he's doing. Yeah, double up. <laughs> so anyway. It's time for, uh, is, is this your king? Is it? it? Well, generally it's not. And today I'm going to let you know it's not today either. Because uh, I have something to say about conspiracy theories on Facebook. Yeah. There will never be another one. Uh, and if you, you want uh, an additional rant, you can go to my Facebook. Um, I'm, I think I have a public profile. So, you know, Derek Lewis on Facebook. You know, I'm in San Antonio. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, so being, I, I've already ran about this on Facebook and now I'm going to rant about it on the pod. And that is that, look here, I understand that human trafficking is a real and present danger and that there are things that need to happen so that we can fix this and make sure we're protecting our kids. That no one is disputing that. No one doesn't want that to get done. There are many, 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 many organizations in which you can support and you can help uh eradicate human trafficking and make sure that these predators stay off our streets and are put in jail and, and also hopefully can get the help they need so that they don't reoffend. There are plenty of organizations that are, that are doing that work and you should support them up and down. You should not, you should never stop supporting them. But what you cannot do is tout these QAnon, right, far-right conspiracy theories online under the guise that you are protecting children because you are not. 
You are putting things out there in the world that are distracting from the actual work that needs to be done. And you're, 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 you're putting people's livelihoods at risk who don't deserve that. I've seen multiple posts this week about Tom Hanks simply because he became a Greek citizen. Somehow he's involved in this human trafficking stuff just because there's this idea that everybody in Hollywood, everybody in the liberal media of Hollywood is some kind of child eating cultist. And so poor Tom Hanks, who literally got Greek citizenship because he, uh, during a time where they, I believe, some kind of natural disaster had occurred, um, he was helping Greek citizens. And so he's always, he's been a fan of Greece. He, him and his wife, they travel there often. So the Greek, the, the Greek government decided to make him an honorary citizen. And somehow this is some idea that he's trying to set up this idea that he'll go to Greece if he gets caught in this, in, if he's found out that he's doing these nefarious deeds. Meanwhile... If you do a modicum of research, you will find out that Greece will extradite your ass in a second. A <laughs> if, second. If you do some crime and go to Greece, they will send your ass right back to the United States. Right back. Oh, uh, weird flex. Uh, me and Tom Hanks went to the same uh, school in, back in Oakland. Not at the same time, but we did go to the same middle school. Boy, that's six degrees of connection. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> You know I like to throw a weird flex in every once in a while. I know it's a serious subject, but I had to throw it in there. Go ahead. I've seen Chrissy Teigen. Unfortunately, she's had to get rid of some of her social media stuff. She's had to put some barriers in place to protect her and her family because she's she's someone who watches uh, these pageant shows with kids. And so she was making she's making fun of herself for even watching it. She's making fun of the mere concept of it because it's it's very predatory. And so she was making some jokes and all of them aren't exactly in great taste. So I don't want to act like there's no, like she should probably, you know, dial it back a bit, but she didn't do anything to ever suggest that she was hurting children. And it's very clear where those jokes lie, where those jokes lie and that she does not have any thoughts that would, uh, you know, that would mean that she's hurting children. So you have to have evidence if you're going to accuse these people of doing the fairest things, e- even not today, no, nope. even not Dan Harmon, who did some, uh, he did this very, very. He's a co-creator, uh, kind of iffy on the co-creator of Rick and Morty. He did a very disgusting video where he uh, he was making fun of the show Dexter, right, and how the lens on Dexter makes you kind of sympathize with a dude who's literally a serial killer, and he was like. So he took that to the extreme and was making fun of it and was saying, look at this child, uh, this pedophile. And he, he simulated uh, sexual acts with a toddler. And so obviously disgusting. Cancel that guy because that joke's A, not funny, but B, just no. But at the same time, everyone is, it's like cancel him, get him off. You know, you don't have to cancel Rick and Morty, who he only loosely really has a tie to because he's not the brainchild behind that. And so everyone's kind of coming after Rick and Morty. He's like, no, come after Dan Harmon because he's terrible at joke writing. He's trying to be edgy white guy who thinks he has to press this edgy white guy limit so that he can make people laugh, even though those jokes aren't funny, Mr. Edgy White Man. And so like, but even then they're, they're acting as if he has actually performed sexual acts on children. And there has to be a line of demarcation where you have actual proof that these are predators and that they're coming after children so that we can put them away. And there are plenty of them. And usually they start in your family. 
Yeah. You, you know the predator who is coming after a child, and you do nothing to stop it because they're part of the family and you hide behind that. And so if you're really wanting to do this work, look at home and see who's really doing stuff to your children or to other children and make sure you're calling those people out. Call out the 25-year-old who's trying to date 16-year-olds. Call out the, 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 you know, your cousin who's doing that kind of stuff. Call out the uncle who seems to always be touching the, 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 the baby cousins and sexually objectifying them and has a history of that kind of stuff. There's legitimate work to be done. And I don't want to pretend like there's not. And I'm not trying to lessen your fear that you should be doing something. But what you should not be doing is spreading falsities about people who either are making bad jokes and bad taste and you have every right to not want to support them but that does not automatically make them a sexual predator just because they make distasteful jokes. You should, certainly shouldn't come after a Chrissy Teigen who's really done nothing at all. And you definitely shouldn't come after Tom Hanks for just simply becoming a Greek citizen. So by the way, you have to do better. Chrissy, by the way, Chrissy's actually pregnant with her third kid right now. Mm -hmm. She just like mentioned it the last few days. And it's crazy to me, you know, that this idea that she's out here, you know, wilding out and doing, you know, crazy stuff and, and, and people wanting to involve her in this stuff, but how much of it has to do with the fact that she's really not for the shits when it comes to everything going on with our government right now. And, and, and some of these people going on TV and pushing some of the same nonsense you were just talking about. And I really think, unfortunately that has a lot to do with it because like I said, she's not with the shits right now. And also, you know, John, John Legend is, is got a lot of advocacy that he's, you know, behind right now, as far as like, you know, just overall, just everything um, evolving, not just around this particular subject, but just like voting and things of that nature. So, you know, the sad thing is, is I think a lot of the things that they advocate for are leading people to put them in these categories and to try to start these conspiracy theories and base them around them. And they're doing it almost specifically for that reason. And that's what sucks. And that's what's whack, man. I mean, because those two things really shouldn't be two things that are put together. Just yeah, I, saw, I, can. I saw Oprah Winfrey was in this, one of these yeah. posts. I'm like, yeah. what are you doing? Right. Do you have any evidence? Like, if you have evidence, let's go. Let's get yeah. them right now. Right. But if you're making blanket accusations based on some events that aren't connected like i think the reason oprah was brought up was she sold her magazine or her magazine went under i'm not even sure if that's true because i didn't research it because yeah. i it's it, it was clear to me the whole post was bullshit so like why would i continue to just research each individual fact when right. all clear so much of it was was false but it's like and and i just want to be very clear fuck dan Harmon. i'm not defending dan Harmon. i don't want you to think i'm doing that whatsoever I just want us to know, because I saw this I saw this stuff going on around that, like, well, just because he thought about it means that he yeah. does it. And it's like, that's, you, you know how many shows you wouldn't have if that were the case because you, because they'd be made by monsters and you'd, right. you'd need to lock all these people up? Like, that's just not how the human mind works. I'm sorry. Fuck him for the bad joke and for even going to that place. No, unacceptable. I want to make that very clear. But at the same time, we have to we have to do we have to be rooted in logic. You know, let's cancel him. Make sure he doesn't you know do what he needs to be doing. And you know, but don't let's you know we gotta he's gotta be better, man. That's, that's yeah, I mean, once again, it, this is showing the dark side of social media, right? I mean, we kind of had given journalism to the masses, and one of the downsides to that is, of course, no fact checking, no evidence, and such. Um, you can start a theory and it'll spread like wildfire throughout the entire um, web space. 
And then also what used to kind of keep people in line or keep people kind of just making up stuff is the threat that you might get like sued or something. Right. We can't really do that now with like good social media because it's like a, just a rumor or you don't even know who posted the information and stuff. So it's a lot harder to hold people accountable for what they say. And that's why stuff can kind of spread so quickly and so freely because there's really no recourse as of right now that we have set up to where you can stop these things or actually get some type of fact checking going. And then when people have to do fact check it, then people don't believe it's like, oh, well, you're just supporting them and you're just like a, you know, part of the problem too. So it's hard out there. And like you're saying, D, sometimes it's funny because it's like so ridiculous. Other times it's not so funny because it actually causes natural damage to actual good causes or stuff needs to get done. And that's the case in this as well. It's like that's what social needs to be focused on, um, you know, putting our time and effort into donating to and such. But when you keep making up these random stories about people for no reason whatsoever, just because you're bored or whatever, you're hurting a lot of people more than just that person. I mean, it also is hurting that person as well. Him having to, Tommy having to clean it up and even address that in some type of way, manner or whatever. But yeah, it, it, it's like the wild west right now in terms of information. So I don't know what's going to happen to change it. But I'm sure it'll change at some point. But as of right now, though, there's really almost no rules in terms of, you know, who can make a story and run with it and it get credence and end up on websites and social media and everywhere too for right now. But I mean, we had a a pizza parlor with an AR-15 a few years back because somebody made up a story that that DC pizza parlor was harboring kids in a basement it didn't have. Then people still think that's that's a factual thing. People still bring up Pizzagate. It's one of the things I've been seeing. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's that's the crazy part about it is like, and they're electing these people, by the way. These QAnon people, they're, these people are getting elected. Not just yeah. to little city, town. I'm talking, they're getting elected to Congress. Like, this is, yeah. this shit is, is wild. It's out of hand, man. It's out of hand. I, 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 literally saw, I literally saw someone the other day who, someone was like, hey, this is false. And they were like, yeah, it might be. I haven't researched it yet, but still. And I was right. just like, oh. Yeah, it was the president that did that. It was the president. Right. It was the president. No, no, I'm talking about this. I'm sure he did it too, but this was one of the, this was one of the people on my on my friends list. I mean, yeah, that guy. like his go-to. <laughs> well, I, I think what happened eventually is they'll start putting the onus on the actual um, like different platforms, you know, like oh, Twitter, Facebook. Instagram, yeah, yeah. Facebook, and stuff. Like they already have like a fact checker sort of. So they'll say, okay, well, this story's been on here for like you know a few days, and you haven't confirmed if it's true or not. So we're gonna hold you liable because now you're letting it spread and stuff like that. I can see that happening. To maybe put some type of money into it, or they actually will fact check and maybe have a limit on what you can post or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that hasn't happened just yet, but I can see that happening. To have some type of you know recourse or something because right now there's no rules and no type of you know downside to just posting whatever you want. Even that's already going sideways though, because Facebook is starting to do some of that stuff. And every time they take something down, they get accused of being this liberal biased source. Right. Uh, like, we already, I mean, like, Facebook, they can be pretty weird with the shit that they try to take down. Like, if you talk about, uh, if you talk about right privilege, some of those posts can get flagged. Yeah. And so it ends up hurting, you know, minorities. But from a fact-checking standpoint, a lot of some of this hashtag Save Our Children thing has some seedy roots. And, like, it's been posting some stuff that isn't true. And so Facebook has been taking some of that stuff down. And every time they do, they get accused of being in league with some of these human traffickers. Right. And so some of those efforts are already starting to go sideways. And, and because everything is so politicized nowadays, 
you know, with everything in media, it seemed to be like, there's no, no one understands that there's white wing media and there's left wing media. Everything in the media, for whatever reason, is liberal media. And everything that disproves what you think tends to be the liberal media, I noticed. When, like, it's like, like, I see someone post a fact check from Snoops or uh, one of the other fact checks. Like, I can't think of it right now. Uh, the two main ones, there's Snoops and there's another one. And every time someone comes with one of those, they're like, oh, of course they said that. They're part of the left wing media. I'm like, well, I don't know, man. <laughs> like, I, like, what are we going to do if nothing is a verifiable? That's what has happened a lot with a lot of the stuff. A lot of the things that used to be deemed facts are now, oh, that's just an opinion. Well, I still have my opinion. And people don't understand the idea between an opinion that can be provable false and an opinion that, like, out of preference. Like, like I don't like bell peppers. That's That's an opinion but that's something that can't be proven false because those are your taste buds. But like Thomas Jefferson was the first president of the United States isn't an opinion. If you say that, you're just factually wrong. And people are starting to think of things like that as, oh, well, that's just my opinion. And that's another yeah. element. And so like, it's, I don't know, it's, it's gross and it's annoying me and it's sad. And it's worrisome, man. It's, it's worrisome because of what, what it's doing. I, I, and I, another point I want to bring up real quick and then we'll get out of here is that I feel like a lot of this is some of the rage. Uh, some of this is conservatives and far-right people have been trying to siphon some of that rage that was going on for uh, Black Lives Matter and distract with some of these other thing, issues that are also issues, but they're trying to use it as a comparison point. Like, you'll see some posts that say, hey, where everyone was talking about Black Lives Matter, we need to hashtag save our children. And it's right. like, well, we can do both. But they're trying to siphon off some of that rage. And, I, and honestly, I feel like it's working. I see a lot of the same people who were hashtag Black Lives Matter are, are going back to saying casually racist things. They're going back to kind of not thinking that Black Lives Matter. Right. And I, so I, I think a lot of this propaganda movement is actually is actually working. It's, it's very scary. It's very scary. I agree. Well, there's always going to be a little bit of pushback. There's never going to be the same extent of support for Black Lives Matter the whole way through. Like, that's just how things go. There's always going to be some type of pushback to it. Um, but do you think, like, overall it shifted the other direction? Like, the, is it like a net loss now, or is it still like a net gain overall I'm, in terms I of, like, support? Have, I mean, I still have the same worry that this is more of a fad, that people were kind of bored and needed to – a lot of this a lot of this has moved into – um, into fad territory and now save our children is kind of the latest faddish type thing that's siphoning off a lot of outrage. But I do still think overall the right people who are still trying to foster change are still trying to foster change. And I do still see a lot of support for the movement. And it's still some of the stuff that it, it allowed for can't be undone. Like it allowed basically for sports leagues to kind of come into the mainstream and say Black Lives Matter. It allowed for companies to come into the mainstream and say Black Lives Matter. So some of that stuff just can't be undone for the most part unless something just crazy happens that really undoes that kind of stuff. So I, I get, I take your point a little bit, D, but I'm just saying that a lot of the people who, a lot of the, some of the people who I like, okay, they really changed their minds. Some of this propaganda is already starting to affect them. And I'm not even, like I'm calling them out, but I'm not even, I, I, I understand what's happening. And so it's kind of, it's annoying to me because I see how the propaganda is trying to shift their focus and it's, it's working. And I know that doesn't mean that now there's no, like, we should run for the hills and there's no one supporting Black Lives Matter. But I do worry when I see a propaganda movement like that starting to siphon off some of the support and start, start starting to kind of move in that way. 
because I mean, America is good at propaganda, man. So yeah. <laughs> it, it it frustrates me and it worries me, yeah. especially closer to election time. True, yeah, but I mean, that's part also another reason why it's kind of being pushed that the all media is leftist media to fire pushed by the other party because they're like, okay, well, we need to have some type of narrative to get more support for Trump because before supports because you know he was different he's gonna clean stuff up and people didn't want him to win and everybody's against them so like yeah let's support him the underdog guy and they're trying to do the same thing again because of other stuff not going so well for him like okay go back to the underdog role and have people you know support us because they feel everybody everybody's against Trump because you know he he speaks the truth and whatever so you kind of see what they're trying to do I doubt it's gonna be as successful though because a lot of stuff has gone very wrong and he's still saying like a lot of crazy stuff. Um, a lot of people close to him have already spoken out about him. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense that they're going to try to push stuff that's going to either, you know, change people's minds or get an area to change and everything. But we'll have to see how it plays out. There's going to be a back and forth. I'm pretty sure Hudson's going to come out to gonna push it the other way as well. As stuff comes out, like as the NFL and stuff starts playing and they start demonstrating, um, as we get further in some of these cases that we need to have some decisions on convictions and such, that's going to spark some stuff up too as well. So it's a little bit of low right now because it's not going to be the same way like an entire year because that's a long period of time for people to pay attention to one thing. Uh, but it's going to be ebbs and flows. So it's going to see if it's going to get back up as a, at the right time or not. So just kind of wait and see. So. Yeah. And uh, while we're just in the vicinity of the subject, uh, could you go ahead and arrest the uh, police who killed Breonna Taylor? Thank you. <laughs> while, we're, while we're here, might as well. Why are you bullshitting? Yeah, you know, might as well get the whole thing out there. Anything else, guys? Anything you guys wanted to talk about? Uh, we were so close to having an hour and 30-minute podcast today, but I, I'm pretty sure we went over. We're so close. That's all right. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah, giving that real, man. You know what I'm saying? Unabbreviated. That's what it is. That's, that is true. And you did just get an unabbreviated rant from TR. <laughs> <laughs> about your social media ideas, <laughs> suggestions. I was proud. I hope I didn't go on too many tangents and get wrapped up in my. <laughs> you know, I also also noticed that you and Terrell both signed in under the same name. I was like, "What's going on here?" Yeah, because uh, Derek yeah, wow. did the podcast the other night. So when he did the podcast and he logged in, it always when you log in, you log in under me. And, and mm-hmm. while we're on while we're on that subject, uh, speaking of that subject, if you want to go, if you want to do some listener questions, you can always go to the Weekend at Take at Yahoo.com and send us an email there. And uh, your question might appear on the podcast. But uh, speaking of that, Terrell created an account using the Weekend to Take uh, email and password. And he named that account Terrell Huff. Because clearly Terrell Huff, <laughs> the Weekend and Take. And the Weekend and Take. He asked me what my name was. I put my name in there. <laughs> and, so, and so when I went to, to run the podcast the other night, I also became Terrell Huff. And apparently I can't. <laughs> I am now Terrell Huff as well. We are all Terrell Huff. We're all Terrell I'm Huff. Like, I'm like, sir, I am 44 years old. Uh, Terrell okay. Huff the third. You are going to get what you're you going to get what you get. It is what it is. <laughs> You know what, man? You got to send me a login, too. I also would like to be Terrell Huff. As you well. also want to be Terrell Huff? <laughs> I truly will be Terrell Huff the third. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, as we gave you a peek behind the curtain, as we tend to do, Terrell Huff, thank you for stopping by, my friend. Support the arts. Indeed. Indeed. Words. Words. It's an audio podcast. <laughs> I forgot. Daniel Davidson, 
you were also here and we appreciate it. Even though you did not apologize to Dame Lou, we still appreciate you stopping by. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Good to be here. Bradley Bill first team, baby. What's up? Let them know. Dame can be there too, I guess, if he has to, whatever. They can play one-on-one for it. Uh, on behalf of those nuts, I am DR. No, nah, we, don't, we, don't, we don't agree with those terms, Terrell, no. <laughs> I am DR Lewis. Not the third, bro. baby. Or the 33rd? Not the MMA fighter. Um, the 33rd, 33rd? You work on that, Daniel. You work on that for next week. Terrell, please, if you would be so kind, sir, to hit them with the outro. The weekend it take. Because the week may end. But sports don't.